This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 280 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And I'm Dustin with Collins Last Stand and Handsome Phantom. I was almost thrown off guard. I was like waiting for Carrick and yeah. I was like, wait, <laughs> he's not here. Here we go. So. The show's off the rails now. We don't have Daddy Carrick to guide us. So no. uh, here we are, ready for your dislikes and hatred. Uh, <laughs> Carrick said that uh, he was reorganizing a lot of his art and stuff for his giveaways and his for his channel because uh, it appears he's not getting Cyberpunk 2077 early. So he's restructuring his content entirely. And that's why he told me he could not make the show this week. So it is just Dustin and I, and we are plenty capable to entertain and inform you. Trust me, we've done this for... 280 episodes as you just Whoa. heard so ladies and gentlemen if you're new here we've had a lot of new listeners coming in we want to thank you first and foremost for your time we appreciate you swinging on by lending us your ear uh what we do here is we take the hottest news each week in gaming we cover it we give our thoughts on it we talk about what games we're playing we answer your patron questions at the end of this show probably our longest segment of every episode if you want to get involved on that level i'll have my patreon link down below you can join up get early access for this show every single friday and uh if you're interested in a little bit more podcast action we usually do an extra slice of ham every week i have been up to my ears in secret business so i have not been able to meet that commitment but fret not it will be back uh but right now i have not met that for the last week and a half so i do apologize for that but trust me when i say it will be worth it um, for those who don't know, I just announced a fallout panel that I'm doing with every major voice actor in the game, pretty much outside of Brian T. Delaney, who said he couldn't make it cause he was too busy as well as Sean Schemmel, technically who does strong, but I don't know if many people are attached to strong, but we have everyone there from Courtney Taylor to Matt Mercer, Courtney Ford, Katie Townsend, uh, John Gentry, uh, Keith Farley, the list goes on. We have literally every major companion and the female player character in this panel. Uh, if you're listening to this when it goes live to the public, it'll already be live and archived on my channel. Fingers crossed it went fantastic. I don't know. I'm a little nervous for this, Dustin. This is my first time doing a panel. Maddie, I have to give you a shout out. When I saw you announce this, first of all, you didn't tell me that you were planning this. <laughs> so it was a surprise, which maybe that's a good thing. I kind of like the surprise, but this is such an impressive feat that you're pulling off getting these people together this is like insanely it's cool crazy. and I, it, it's one of those big moments where i'm like i'm sure that well you have someone from bethesda on the panel the voice yes. director right yes yes yeah well i think he works at disney now i want to say oh. but yeah he definitely worked at bethesda extensively you so. gotta imagine that this type of you know event bringing these together, like the eyes from Bethesda are gonna be on it as well, which is always like pretty. You're doing something <laughs> uh, with this. This is very it's, cool. It's interesting because no one in an official capacity from Bethesda, outside of two friends I made well before they they worked at Bethesda. One was, as a lot of our listeners know, our former co-host Lone Vault Wanderer. He reached out to me about it. And uh, Vault of Daedalus, who was a, a longtime friend of mine who now works at Bethesda as well. Those two reached out to me. But on an official capacity, <laughs> Bethesda doesn't give a fuck right now. So, oh, but they, they don't publicly. But I'm sure yeah, that they're like – I'm oh, sure. They're I'm sure. looking at it like, hey. I would be very surprised if getting every single major voice actor in, 
in your biggest game did not bring eyes to that panel. But uh, I have to, I don't want to take all the credit. I have to give a major shout out to Courtney Taylor. She's the one who actually uh, phoned me about this panel because she did one for Mass Effect to celebrate N7 Day. And she thought, hey, it would be really cool if we did a Fallout one. So she contacted me saying, like, I think you're the guy for the job. If you're not, let me know who I should contact. So I absolutely took her up on it. And it was really awesome that, like, she thought of me. And then uh, she really connected the dots on a lot of the voice actors and actresses. Um, I reached out to a couple. But, yeah, really, it was Courtney Taylor pulling all the strings together. A lot of people gave me credit for it. But I just want to I want to shout her out. It was it was a lot of her work, you know, and uh, she made it as easy as possible for me to just hop on board. It still was work like I'm the one who did the the social media presentation uh, p- picture that went alive, went live with the announcement. It'd be great if I could speak right now. Um, what else did I do? I had to put the I took like five hours putting together the entire like panel, how I want to do things, questions I want to ask, and it'll go for about two hours. So. I'm very excited for it. Now that I have a game plan, I'm more excited than nervous. But a little bit of nerves here, Dustin. You know, oh, know, we, I mean, we got Yusuke Kitagawa on our panel here, wow. right? Damn. We got we got the Yusuke here, Matt Mercer. You know, the amount of games I've heard this guy, and I'm like, fucking hell, bro. I'm gonna be talking to this guy now. This is, whew, it's a little it's a little crazy to think about. But I gotta stay is, professional. I think that he is he in Thirteen Sentinels as I'm, well. I'm, I think I heard his voice. He's, There's a ton of the Persona cast in that game. Yes. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. and it makes me want to play it. <laughs> You're going to love it, dude. I am playing this game, and I've been thinking, like, Maddie, this is a fucking Maddie-ass game. Hell yeah. All right, so, sweet. Let's talk about it a little bit then. We'll swing on from uh, our introduction, what we're promoting, to what we're playing, unless there's anything you want to toss out into the wind, of course, um, in the meantime. The only thing I wanted to toss out there is I wanted to shout out the... Uh, the crossover fans and listeners that we've been getting because mm. all the time, probably daily on various Collins last stand or, or handsome phantom outlets. I'm seeing people that say, Whoa, I didn't know that Dustin and Maddie did a podcast. And then they find out that Carrick's involved and they're like, Whoa. So yeah, there's a, there's been a lot of crossover. And so if you're one of those people listening right now, coming from one of those other platforms, we really appreciate it. We hope yes, you, thank you love the show and for i guess all the listeners we we appreciate it so mm-hmm. it means a lot um so yeah we can talk about let's talk about some video games hell to, yeah to get this wait, might be the for, quickest we've ever done man seven minutes in we're, we're hopping into games holy wow. shit! wow <laughs> listen I, maddie i brought my uh my gamer fuel now wow. that we're talking about Phase games Barry. crack open one of these bad boys not sponsored but hey g fuel if you want to hit me up love the product no i'm totally <laughs> no kidding. do it but, do it dude sell yourself honestly if i was sponsored by g fuel i'd probably die of like caffeine overdose because these have um 300 milligrams of caffeine which uh-huh. is like a large See, coffee i uh i in good conscience can't take a sponsorship from them i don't drink like soda or energy drinks or anything yeah. like that of any kind so for me it's just one of those things where you go no, sorry. Like I just I if I suggested this product to people, I would genuinely be lying to them. <laughs> like I just can't obviously do that. Nor do I have any interest to do that. Uh I think that's why people like ads when creators actually like the product. Like when I work with Manscaped, y'all, not to be TMI, but their shit's awesome. And it's like right. when they reached out to me, I went, "Fuck yeah. Are you kidding me? Fuck yeah." 
Um, same with GMG. I'm actually, I'm funny enough, I'm I'm a real shill here. I'm wearing their glasses right now, but these shit, <laughs> these these shits are legit, bro. It's it's ridiculous. So yeah, it's it's yeah. important. And so Dustin, that I think that makes you a perfect candidate as a G Fuel consumer to Whoa. be their sponsor for our it's show. It's unfortunate. Maybe. Here's the problem that I I feel slightly embarrassed about liking G Fuel because of all the energy drinks, the one I like probably the most is of course the one targeted at gamers and i'm like very uh fuck you guys of yeah, course very that's on the brand. way it is <laughs> though we do um for a while for the hp podcast we did actually have an energy drink sponsor Ooh. that was one of my all-time like very nostalgic favorite energy drinks it's called balls have you ever Ball. heard of this what it's called balls b-a-w-l-s oh okay balls balls yeah balls. <laughs> um but they do like they've sponsored a bunch of like esports stuff and um different like land tournaments and so they've been in the gaming space for a while so it was cool of them to sponsor us cool. and they like sent us product and stuff but nice anyway the point of all this we're not actually trying to market anything it just somehow you know i wanted to make the joke about g fuel that's it not well, i'm not like trying to sell are. the people so but for, in reality let's talk about games first of okay. all uh do we talked about 13 sentinels last week a little yeah bit. you only played about i think two hours i want to say top yeah. two three hours so it's honestly hard for me to even really explain the story of this game because yeah. it is very i, I don't know how to say open-ended let me let me explain not the story but the process of taking in the story the first few hours are prologue so it will specifically like you're going to play this chapter from this character and then you'll play this chapter from another character and that's kind of the visual novel aspects okay then you'll have a tutorial mission of the more rts gameplay and then you'll do another chapter this goes on for a few hours for the the prologue once the game once you're past the prologue it'll present you with multiple I guess not ways to play the game, but multiple modes that all coincide to the story. So there's a, what I believe is called reflection mode, which that's the visual novel aspect. And it'll show all 13 characters and you can, for the most part, choose to play as any of them. Mm -hmm. And eventually it'll lock you out from continuing that specific character's story. Cause it'll be like, you need to do this first so it'll mm. make sure that you don't like get it, it makes sure that there is a proper flow of the story while being open-ended okay but how does that all so you can start in any way like there are a lot of threads that you could just pick up on it's kind of yeah. like have you played a uh, zero escape virtues last reward yes kind of reminds yeah. me of that right now like you can just drop in the middle somewhere and be like what's going on here right well and that's the 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 truly true mindfuck of this game is beyond just the fact that you can pick and choose which character you want to progress. The problem, not a problem, but I don't even know what it is. The The main thing is that this is a, and this isn't a spoiler, it's a time travel story. So you have characters mm. that are in the 80s who are talking about uh, some of them have come from the future. Maybe some of them have come from the past. And some of them have memories where they remember things that either happened in the future or in the past. Oh my and God. <laughs> so you have all these different time eras. You have characters that 
exist in different states of their life in different time frames. So if if any of the listeners, if you've seen the show Dark on Netflix, it's kind of reminds me of that in that it's really mm. difficult at points to keep everything straight in your head. But despite all that, to kind of wrap all of this up nicely, I am still really enjoying it. And though at points I'm confused, the more I play, somehow they're able to make it come together in a it's like slowly coming together to become this cohesive thing and that's what's so enjoyable about it is the like going layer upon layer to discovering what the story is even really about because i don't even really know what it's about right now Mm -hmm. so yeah but maddie you're gonna love this game yeah i have no doubt because that's one of the best feelings i think when you play a story in a game is you just feel semi lost. Like you have these cobwebs in your brain and you're like, am I just stupid? Like there's pieces here. I see it, but how does it all come together? And they just have this like one moment towards the end where it all syncs up and it all connects and you have that explosion. And so I'm thinking you're going to have that moment. I'm getting a strong feeling. And so that excites me a lot. Well, and I think the big thing about this game is that, it's one of those games where a second playthrough will be really, really rewarding because you'll be like, Oh, now that I know this, this scene is completely different Mm -hmm. than I thought. Mm -hmm. So I'm already thinking, even though I'm, I don't even think I'm halfway through at this point. uh, I'm already thinking about that second playthrough, which is to me a good sign because I really don't care about second playthroughs almost ever for a game. I'm always ready to move on to the next thing. Right. So the fact that it's already has me wanting to do that is is cool. That's hype. Yeah. So yeah, I, I really want to play that. This end of the month here, obviously, it'll be a lot of cyberpunk. But I have my eyes set on three games. They're all JRPGs. Okay. All right. So one is obviously Thirteen Sentinels. I've heard too many good things about that game to just let it sit by. Um, Next is I, the Somnium Files. I bought that back in July, but then Ghost of Tsushima surprised me. And there were other games. I I was playing Trails of Cold Steel. So I let myself get whisked away. But I, the Somnium Files is by the creative heads that made Zero Escape. And it reviewed really well. It was definitely a very underappreciated game. I need to make sure I play that. That is one that is every time I look at my backlog, it's number one on that list. Uh, but I'm an idiot and like to do 2020 reviews on big RPGs because, you know, why not sink 40 hours into a game I already played just because I'm nostalgia. Right. Fuck new experiences. Uh, the third one is Fire Emblem Three Houses. This one's yes. on the Christmas list. Dustin, Ugh. fingers crossed Santa rewards Maddie for a great year because I really want to play this one. Uh, but it's just like those are see, the issue is JRPGs are so good, but they're so long. Mm. So... We'll see if, if Three Houses becomes... Because I know you told me you played it once through and you were you were satisfied with that. I want to see if I will be like that or will I want to see all the houses, play through the game multiple times, see all of that out. I, I, I really want to check in on that. Uh, yeah. Because it could be a you know a 50-hour experience. It could be a multi-hundred-hour experience. My friend put like 250 into it. Like He was addicted. Into, I think it was like four paths in that game. So... Um, it's absolutely one of those experiences that I'm very curious how much it'll grab me. Cause Fire Emblem kind of got me with Awakening, that, and I think that was for a lot of fans. It rejuvenated the franchise, uh, and since then I've been a, 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 a pretty big fan of it. I just 
three houses. I, I probably in hindsight should have just played it when it came out because I said I'll play it when I have more time. Here we are at the end of 2020, Dustin. Mm-hmm. Time is not a luxury. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> time it's... is a luxury. Sorry. It's so good. The The combat and the gameplay is really good. And I think that the social aspects will really appeal to you as a Persona fan. Mm. But I will say that I think that it has the same shortcomings in a way as the social aspects of Persona that towards the end of the game, you'll have a flow of like, like at the end of Persona 4, I felt like it's like, okay, rainy day, go eat the, the ramen bowl or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then... Maybe you've maxed out all the main um, uh, social links. And I know people min-max to get every social link and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. at the end of Three Houses, I was like, okay, I have seen everything the social aspects of this game has to offer. And I'm just doing this to get it over with. I've heard that before, yeah. That it just, you kind of like have that last month or whatever where even in Persona 5 Royal didn't have it as bad. Uh, I, I think I had two weeks in Persona 5 Royal where I was just doing jack dick and yeah. just kind of making my way through the side activities but i gotta clean up my mouth i think i've cursed more than than ever before Dude, I'm feel- maddie I'm, maddie's I'm, I'm feeling loose I, why did i say it like that like i could have said wow. i did nothing but yeah I, I i that's the one thing i'm concerned about with with three houses but like at the end of the day it, i don't think it'll really mark up the exp- or mark down the experience dude i am just like i am praying right now for a new fire emblem game just because wait that came out in 2019 yes or in 20 it was a uh it was a, a lot of people thought it was a game of the year snub if i recall correctly yeah. so usually i mean on on 3ds they put out <clears throat> awakening and then they put out those three other ones i played right? all of them yeah yeah okay so i feel like we should maybe not 2021 but maybe 2022 Hard to say. Yeah, it should be soon. I, I I feel like didn't Fire Emblem Three Houses have an expansion somewhat recently? Yes. So I think it was this year. I actually and I never played that. I, you know, the more we talk about this game, the more I want to play it again mm-hmm. and play as a different house. But it just it's now is the worst time. Yeah, like the absolute worst time. With Cyberpunk so. coming out, just the best thing you can do right now is either pick up a short game or watch a show. Just. You know, just wait, right? That's, Dude, that's all you can do. I am... So we'll talk about the other main game that I've, I'm playing and you reviewed. Um, but I, with 13 Sentinels, every time I play it, I'm like, okay, we got to get some of this done. We got to get this done before next Wednesday. Like, that's the day. Isn't it, isn't it day. so weird? That's the thing, right? Like, our, I don't think our job... Our job has hard aspects like any job, but isn't it weird that one of the more strenuous parts of the job is feeling like you got to finish a game by a deadline, not just whenever? Yeah. Like, I can't even remember when I used to have to game just like, Oh, I'll just finish this whenever like certain games I do play to my own leisure. But even then I have that feeling of urgency at times. Like, okay, let's, you know, let's push through this. You know, want to move on to my next experience. Uh, it, it, it's become so like intertwined with my play style that I don't really care. I don't really notice it, but it's, it's funny to think of when I was a kid, I'd, it was like 2008 and I was playing kingdom hearts two for the 18th time. Yeah. Right and and right and because it's like you had that in like two other games and one of them was total shit so it's mm-hmm. like what are you gonna do mm-hmm. exactly so you want to talk yeah. about a little little phoenix let's talk about it yeah so I guess we'll first of all say that both of us received review copies from Ubisoft Correct. so yes. whatever Maddie you reviewed it um, I've been playing it since Tuesday night 
So I don't have a ton of time into it, but I think you and I are probably around the same amount because you said in your review you put about 10 hours in right yeah just above 10 hours i put in i finished uh for those who are playing the game and actually it was interesting is i didn't realize this i thought because normally as of late these review embargoes line up pretty close to the release date like usually it's a, a day in advance or something um but they ubisoft actually gave a lot of people time to research and re- and and find out more about phoenix which probably because of its underrated nature it needs that but when the reviews dropped on, I want to say Monday the thirtieth, like it just came out yesterday on the third. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's only just now out in the wild. But for those who are curious, I finished Aphrodite's arc, and I was about done with Ares' arc, and that's where they said go back to another vault, and I went, no, I am no, done here. yeah. So I want to I want to pick your brain here. I want I okay. wish Carrick were here because he really seemed to have liked it. Yeah, I, I remember when we were talking about it. I thought he wasn't going to like it because he really didn't like the combat. But I wish we were here to to, to have Carrick. I think balance things out because you and I, I don't know what you think too much on it, but I know I wasn't a big fan on it. I want to see if you were a big fan of some of the stuff here, or was it? Cause a lot sure. of people really praised this game, so I'll pass it off to you, and then I'll share some more of my thoughts on it. So here's the the way I want to lead my thoughts about this is clearly this game wears its inspiration on its sleeve Mm -hmm. to the point that in the marketing, now that the reviews are out, I saw a trailer that said something like assassins where in, in Ubisoft's marketing, they, they put a quote that said breath of the wild meets assassins creed or something like that. It had both of those titles as a quote as part of their trailer. So they are not hiding the fact that they're like, Hey, this is our take. This is us doing our thing and mixing it with Breath of the Wild, which mm-hmm. is is cool because I'm I'm honestly surprised that as of right now there are only two major games that are considered like Breath of the Wild type games as far as uh, Genshin Impact and now this game. So I'm a bit conflicted about how to feel about how it does its breath of the wild stuff mm-hmm. because i think that developers should borrow things from games that they love and i'm even fine that there are developers that are making games that are like souls like games you think of like the surge or something like that right there are things though about this game to me that feel less like imitation and almost like stealing. Okay. Like, and I'm I'm laying this out there as a question, not as a definitive statement, right? I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about this since Tuesday because there are points in this game where I thought they really could have done something slightly different. And then it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have felt like an exact copy in certain aspects. Like specifically there's some things like, and it's, it's the dumb, I not the dumb stuff, but it's the less important things that they, they go beyond just copying mechanics. They copy like almost like animations. For example, the one I'm thinking about right now is that you can make potions, which is just, a. it's a, very similar to the cooking in breath of the mm, wild. Right. Right. I didn't even pick up. And on there's that. like, 
a really similar animation of your character making this potion that is like Link. And then, like, you know, the character holds it up in the air and, like, right. does a thumbs up. I was like, that's kind of odd. But I would just let that go. I, you know, whatever. It's sort of like that. But then I was thinking, like, there's these characters. Like, some of the enemies are beasts that have been corrupted. And they, you can tell they're corrupted because they glow with a weird color. Yeah. I'm like, hmm. Mm, like the Calamity, yeah. Yeah. And so this game is just full of these like like i said earlier it's clear that the mechanics a lot of them are direct copies for example the stamina bar system is exactly like breath of the wild and i don't think they're trying to hide that and that's fine again like i said i want to see developers copy and re uh reformat i don't know i want to see new you Everything, take an idea every idea is, is is given birth from another, right? Like, you right. know, that you evolve that. I guess the question I just is that it copies sometimes in these smaller things that it just doesn't sit with me quite right. Mm-hmm. Do you did you feel that at all? Am I off base here? No, I, the thing is, it's actually really interesting because when I was playing it, I had a feeling the whole time I, that I, I knew I would be an outlier. And really, the only person I talked about it with was Carrick. I didn't know if people would feel how I felt, but I was I even for those who want to check, I say openly in my review, I'm pretty confident I will be an outlier here. And it seems I was like a lot of people who really cranked on Ubisoft like this game a lot, like a lot. And for me, I felt like it was the Ubisoft formula with a little bit of uh, Breath of the Wild paint slapped on it. So you have your stamina bar when you climb. Like you mentioned, I didn't even pick up on that, like the animations. Now you mentioned it, that connects. Uh, There's a a strong similarity, but the open world formula is that of any other Ubisoft game. Um, You know, they, they have these set of activities that repeat across regions. And it's, it's like a waypoint chaser. It, the only difference, it's a fucking beautiful game. It is It is marvelous to look at. It is really, really nice looking. Fun world to be a part of. Colorful, inviting, really stop and take it in sometimes. Nice open world. And Ubisoft's always been great at that. I've always kept my cap to their open world designers. I think they do a phenomenal job making you want to explore. It's just the activities there. You know, we look at past Ubisoft games, right? And I think a lot of people always knock them because it's like, oh, you climb the tall thing and then all the little dots scatter. So the fact that they're not doing that, I think a lot of people were like just very happy about that. So instead of climbing the tall tower and having the map decorate itself, you're doing what you do in Breath of the Wild. You climb the tower and you know how you take out the Sheikah Slate and you kind of manually pin things. You sort of do that. You can pin things. But as long as you hit RT or R2 to reveal... When you find an activity, it'll just be permanently marked on your map. So it's just a slightly, it's a sidestep from how you discover activities in a typical sure. Ubisoft game. And then my biggest issue was that it always, and I don't know if you picked up on this, it always fucking drove you to the vaults. And at first yes. the vaults were really refreshing. I was like, okay, this is this game's version of the shrines. I like puzzles. Puzzles are fun. Uh, but the thing is that puzzles... I think the reason we've seen less horror is because people like play them online a ton, but I think it's also hard to convince people to get into it. And it's the same thing with puzzles. I think it's really hard to convince people to get into it because it fucks with your pacing because some people can figure them out quick. Some people can't, some people luck into figuring them out. And so it really just messes things up. And this is one of those games where 
It's not like Breath of the Wild where the puzzles were fun to figure out because the systems in the game were very flexible. So you could do a number of different things to figure it out. Like I always remember seeing online someone had to connect electricity in Breath of the Wild for a puzzle, and he laid down like a bunch swords. of metal swords. Yeah. And he connected the conduit that way. That's awesome. Like that is a testament to how flexible the systems in that game are right then and there that you could solve a puzzle that way. And of course, when they design the shrine, they think of the majority of the way, like how many ways people can do it and uh, try to accommodate that where Ubisoft made this game with not flexible systems. So they're just straight puzzles. So you'll go from this open world and typically Ubisoft exploring to like the brakes have been hit, stop right where you are, and do a vault, not for like 20 minutes tops, but like a fucking hour. And it goes on way too long. And so you yeah. pop out for some air and you do some activities. You do a couple missions and they go, all right, back to the vault. You go again. It's just, it wore me down. I was, I don't want to say I was surprised because I feel like there's something here that people are going to like. But at the same time, I was surprised by the high, high scores it got. Um, and I think it might just be because, you know, on at face value when i tested it back in what was it august um when i tested phoenix rising back then in a preview in a little window you look at that and go wow this is this could be really really refreshing um but then once you get a full look at the product kind of reminded me of mafia 3 in that way where through a window mafia 3 like those first 10 hours you go wow what a game and then you go beyond that it's kind of mm. what I felt here with Phoenix rising. I think I had about four hours in my preview and I went, Oh, this could be really good. And then I had 10 plus and I went, no, this is just, it's repeating right. itself a lot. So I agree with you. It does wear its inspiration on sleeve a lot. It, Which, cl- it, it's not a bad thing, but it's just that it doesn't try to reinvent itself. And because it's just shamelessly taking from the game in a lot of ways, what happens is, since its systems aren't as flexible as, say, Breath of the Wild, you can't just copy something like that. It ends up creating its own flaws by trying to copy it. Yeah, and I want to be fair as much as I can be as a, you know, observer and commenter of the industry that, like, yeah, Nintendo copied Ubisoft elements for Breath of the Wild, like the whole tower thing where you go on top of a tower and then you can see unlock that part of the map. Mm-hmm. That's something that's clearly from other games. So it, I'm... I, I guess the point I'm trying to make, though, is that it's 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 copying one too many things, I think, for my liking and especially in the way they do it. So for sure. But apart from that, let's just let's just ignore everything about the let's pretend Breath of the Wild never existed. Mm-hmm. And we just think about this game for what it is. There's some other things that it just like. I think. <laughs> It doesn't have the same – what am I trying to say here? It has the same type of Ubisoft thing that you were talking about as far as, like, these are the six or seven different type of activities. And they're these are the types of things you're going to be doing across each section of the map over and over. Mm-hmm. And for someone with that checklist type of mentality, you're going to love it. And I think uh, yeah, that a lot of yeah. people who love – assassin's creed games the the more recent ones are gonna love this game as well so because um, i loved valhalla but i did really not, I, yeah a lot of people were asking me about that they were asking how do you like valhalla and not phoenix rising and i think it just really boils down to and i've said this a lot so i won't i don't want to pull us too far off track from what you were saying but 
I just think Valhalla had a really good progression loop, and I think it had a more interesting story. It may have been longer, but I think just, yeah, it managed Dude, to hold my attention more because of that. Let's talk about this story, and I have to... I, I watched part of your review, but then I was mm-hmm. like, I shouldn't watch it because I'm literally going to be talking with you about this game. <laughs> right, so I want right. to have completely my own thoughts. What do you think about... So I'll explain it for any for the audience that doesn't know. This isn't a spoiler. This is just how the structure of the game is. The structure of the game is that Zeus and Prometheus are like the narrators. The, Prometheus is telling a story and you are the character that the story is about. And so... They are chiming in almost constantly, not constantly, but anytime there's any kind of plot thing happening, and sometimes even when it's not, these two guys are chiming in and talking over and kind of guiding the game. So not only are they, though, a a way to explain story and plot to the the player, but they're also probably the main source of like comic relief. So, the game is so oppressive and, and heavy that we need the comic relief. <laughs> so, Maddie, what do you think about these two two characters and their implementation into the game? Um, I think there's a charm. I wouldn't say the game never. I don't know. I'm a tough customer when it comes to laughs at times. I, I chuckle a lot, but with like a hearty ha ha, that's really hard to get out of me. But when it comes to Immortals Phoenix Rising, I think the humor there was more along the lines of a charm. It was, uh, I don't, I never found myself more engaged. And in fact, it kind of reminded me of like two let's players, just watching my gameplay, talking over things happening. Uh, and it was, it was, it was a weird experience, but, um, it was, it was okay. I don't know if it added or ruined anything, but I think there are, that's what I, I really said a lot in my review. I think there's just people who would appreciate that. I was one who was kind of indifferent to it. That's well, I'm glad that you were felt indifferent. Cause I honestly, most more the more i play it the more i find them annoying okay and i just wish that they would stop and the the here's the thing is that sometimes they do get a little like chuckle out of me like you said but it's like how many times how how often does zeus need to make a joke about prometheus's stories being too long mm. seriously over and over he's like this is going too long he makes some kind of quip about how the story is too long and i get it that that's the whole like joke the whole game is them telling this story yeah but i'm just it has like it reminds me of a cg like a cgi like dreamworks type movie that is really trying to be funny for that maybe kids would find funny at points yeah, but the adults are just like, eh, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. I don't know something about it. Which there are times I thought was very funny, like and I, I won't even reveal it. But there's like a very meta thing. Then there's a few really meta moments with the storytelling, with that. Well, with them telling the story within the game that are are very funny to me. But most of the time, I'm like, dude, these guys just stop. Just let me. <laughs> progress and they're constantly talking interesting but i don't know like i like you said maddie i think you and i are kind of outliers on this and for sure so i guess it's funny we've been we've been skirting around talking about this game but we haven't talked about the actual uh i guess we talked about the puzzles and stuff like that you touched on that but as far as combat i don't really know what to think about it there are times that 
when I'm fighting normal enemies. I'm like, this is kind of fun. It's snappy. There's this really cool animation that when you kill the final enemy, they go flying off into the air. It's so fun. I love that. There are other enemies, though, that I'm like, this dude is a fucking sponge. And I've been picking at... And so I'm like, do I need to level up? Do I need to go upgrade my weapons? It just... There's something about the enemy balance that isn't... It's sometimes satisfying, and other times I'm like, this is taking forever. Mm -hmm. Did you feel that way? I thought the combat was probably see the thing is is if they made more flexible systems for the puzzles and stuff i mentioned i think the combat could have actually been a bonus but since it defaults to it so much it felt it it just reminded me of assassin's creed odyssey and i don't think that's a bad thing but for a new ip that's how i approached my review i'm like this is a new ip and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people forget that because ubisoft's making another open world game but you know this is a brand new IP. The fact that its combat is is almost identical to that of the last two Assassin's, three Assassin's Creed games, sorry. I think that's a little concerning. So for me, it felt overly familiar. It was like, okay, light attack, heavy attack, dodge button, parry, as well as face button abilities, which it's a system that works, but I feel like if you're tapping into that God type of stuff, um, there is a way that they could have rethought stuff sure. in the combat. It's so... It wasn't bad. It's just I saw it and went, once again, this is a, a rehashed idea. Like, they could have done more for a, a, a brand new IP like this. Uh, one that, like I said, it has charm. It has great ideas at times. Um, so, yeah, I I didn't dislike it. It just was it, it was familiar. If it's You brought up a good point, and I think kids will like this game. I don't know how else to put yes. it. Like, I could see kids getting this for Christmas uh, and 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 really loving it and being like a what the heck kind of moment you know big beautiful open world it's definitely kid friendly um they don't make any i thought like super overly overly mature jokes um the you know the art style is reminiscent of that of breath of the wild but at times i'm sure you can like a kid would connect the dots to maybe a Fortnite or something like that sure uh, so it definitely is a game that i think could market to a, a crowd that we really can't relate to on many levels. Um, but yeah, w- when it comes to combat, sorry, I got off track again. I thought it was, I thought it was all right, but it was just very yeah. familiar. It's funny. You mentioned that it, I mean, it's rated T, but I would say that for the most part, it's, it would be fine for most older children, I would say. But uh, there is some, some funny innuendos when they're during the, uh, there's a whole mission with the pearl, who, the goddess of love. That's is that Aphrodite, Correct. right? Yeah, yeah. And there's like a joke because there's something in the myth where like someone's dick gets cut off. Oh my! And so they like s- skirt around it where like uh, Zeus or Prometheus they're like whispering ch- to each other. He's like, and then he cut off his like that. Uh, so uh, I I, I, I knew See, that there was something like that, and so I looked it up, and I was like, oh yeah. And there's this whole pearl and seafoam business that is wow. definitely i uh you sexual. know what well here's the thing yeah SpongeBob, but kids wouldn't know yeah i was about to say kids wouldn't know just look at spongebob comedic oh. genius on display you got you got humor for all ages there and it, it it you know it rises the occasion when you're a young adult or an adult but it has a whole different meaning as a kid just one of the best shows ever made mm. but i digress immortals phoenix rising yeah so to let's to put a bow on this whole conversation about this game. 
I don't think this is a bad game by no, any means. Absolutely not bad. No. In fact, I think that during a different time of the year, I could see myself going and playing all of this game. I am enjoying it. Wow, that's good. Um, I'm enjoying it enough that uh, the the annoying aspects that I mentioned are are you know I'm able to to deal with it. Okay. The the main thing that has been clouding over me is just this idea of like how much create how much can you take from something and it be acceptable. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Cuz it's it's not like it's not a Zelda, it's not like Zelda in that it's it's story really at all. There's just so many elements that it got me thinking about this idea and I don't have an answer to it. I think it really depends on how much you want to evolve it. I think the best you can do is, like any creator, you take someone's idea and you try to make it better. Right. You don't just take their idea. You know, you don't, like, the stamina bar. Like, they they need to grab it and think, okay, this works mechanically, but what can we do more with this? To me, it's almost like, Maddie, if I had a YouTube channel and I titled all of my reviews as my extremely honest opinion. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, it's different than, than what you do, but it's the same point at the mm-hmm, end. Mm-hmm. Would that annoy you if I did that? I don't know. Cause it's like, well, Maddie, he's really successful and that's how he titles. So I just am, am tweaking it a bit. Yeah, I don't know. I get what Maybe you're that's a bad analogy. No, but. it's not. It's just, I guess on a YouTube level, it's probably more personal. Like I've seen that shit before where people have like, yeah. in the past for years, I've seen people take my, my, my titles for sure and just use them for their own. And they, it's more frustrating when they, they hit higher viewership than you. Cause you're like, Oh Ooh. yeah. I'm yeah. Sure. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I would definitely say just from a creative standpoint, I don't, I, I at least don't like just to look at someone's idea and be like mine. You know, you want to stand out for your own reason. Maybe that's pride or ego. I don't know. I don't think so. But, you know, I, I would rather take something and, and evolve it in a way that changes the meaning of what Breath of the Wild could have been. Not, sure. oh, it's another Breath of the Wild. It's, wow, Breath of the Wild 2 should do this. You know, you almost want, I, once again, this may sound somewhat foolish, but you almost want to make Breath of the Wild 2 look foolish in hindsight. Like, that's I, what I, I would go for personally if I was making that game. I thought of dude there's even more things that are like the some of the special abilities are exactly Breath of the Wild. Like there's one so I haven't unlocked all of them but there's one that you get where if you die you get revived and then there's a cooldown for when it will revive again which oh, I yeah, think that's is Yeah, uh, that's a blessing from I think the water place I want to say. Yeah, Mifa's Grace. That's it. Yes. Look at that. So Look at you know the Breath of the Wild lore. Wow. That's that's in the game. Exactly. And there, there's no change to it. And I believe, I can't say this for certainty, I think there's also an ability that you get in Immortals that will, like, launch you up into the air. That's, like, the the wind guy. Uh, yeah. Once again, so, don't know the... <laughs> <laughs> don't know the lore for this regalia one. is his name regalia look at you go like yeah that. that is that actually is it yes people yeah, wow. dude, i'm ready you're, for the comment those a nintendo fanboy you are incredible um, so it's just there it, it gets to the point where you where you see so many similarities that you're you start to really question things yeah because when it's on a smaller level that's where i think you can make the changes to argue 
to the opposite end and be like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're, they're doing this, this, that. But when you're copying it on a large level, okay. But on a little level like that, like their blessings should be different, man. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even notice that. That's crazy. Wow. So Oy. I don't know. Something to think about. But anyway, sure. let's let's move move on at this point. I think we've kind of yeah. Have we have we beat it to death? How long have we been going? Twenty minutes on this one. Whoa. Okay, that's probably a good amount. No, definitely. We uh, we gave our extended thoughts. Now we move on into the news. Thank you for sticking with us here. I'm sure you learned a lot about Immortals: Phoenix Rising, which you know may go on go down as one of the more underrated games for this year. Uh, so, first bit of news for this week has to do with good old Bioware. So, yeah, I'm very curious what your thoughts are going to be on this. I'm sure people kind of can guess mine. Casey Hudson and Mark Dara have simultaneously announced their retirement at Bioware. uh, And this just literally broke yesterday as we record this podcast. Uh, So it was Thursday, um, December 3rd. The news broke that BioWare's GM, Casey Hudson, who just took the job in 2017, he is departing, and his tenure brought along the likes of Anthem, which was already pretty deep in development by the time he got here. His most significant announcement during his tenure was really Dragon Age 4, as well as Mass Effect Legendary Edition, and I'm sure, as well as the next Mass Effect game, I should have brought that up. So he sort of came in, I guess the idea was brought some stability they laid out some groundwork for what they were going to do for the future after Anthem, which was another Dragon Age and another Bioware game, and he left. Mark Dara, who really headed up Dragon Age for the last number of entries, has left. And now Christian Daly is filling his role as the uh, lead for the Dragon Age project. And Gary McKay, Bioware Senior, dire- senior Director of Development Operations, will serve as an acting general manager while EA seeks to fill the rollout for uh, Casey Hudson. And in a supplementary statement, EA's chief studios officer, Laura Mealy wrote, I want to personally thank Casey and Mark for everything they've done for Bioware, the community, and particularly our players. They will always be an essential part of the studio's history. We appreciate their many contributions and we look forward to seeing what they'll each do next. So Christian Daly joined Bioware from Blizzard a number of years ago. And he actually was heading up the Anthem 2.0 project before moving on now to this Dragon Age game. So what we're seeing here is the winds of change really blowing through Bioware. They've got a new executive producer on all of the mainline Dragon Age games, which I got to be real. I take as fucking great news. I'm sorry. I really do. No offense to Mark. uh, But I think Dragon Age is a far cry away from what I really liked about it. And then we've got a new head coming in for Bioware. So this is a studio that struggled with its last number of entries, Mass Effect Andromeda. It struggled with Anthem. Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition was successful. I replayed that this year for those who want to maybe check out a a fresh review of that over on my YouTube channel. Um, I did all the DLC and everything. And I have a higher opinion of the game now, but I still think it's not the... It's not where Bioware really wants to be. Their, Their glory days are behind them. Now... I'm a huge Bioware fan regardless, Dustin. I just can't help but pay attention to them because they've really created the RPGs that have turned me into an RPG fan at the end of the day. So they they have my attention regardless of what I do or say. But you, someone who's not as deeply invested, you probably offer something a little more objective here. So take it away. What do you make of the biggest departures happening here at Bioware 
who also, by the way, just dropped this behind-the-scenes Dragon Age trailer. And they're confirming that more Dragon Age info is on the way at the Game Awards. Like, there's a lot here happening. So what do you make of all of it? I mean, I think really all we can do right now is is speculation. Because sometimes it's one of those situations where we don't know whether they were leaving on their own terms or being asked to leave. And I really... I could see this going multiple ways. I could see this them looking at the situation with you know, all the different games and saying we're fucked and EA's leadership is going to continually be the downfall of this studio mm-hmm. and we're done and, and peace and out on the flip side, there could be leadership at EA that says, okay, these dudes have let us down repeatedly now. Yeah. And where we see where the state of the upcoming games are and we can't let it happen again. And these guys need to go. Yeah, that's possible. I never really thought of it that way. That is possible though. I, the question I think where I I probably should have looked into it more, and I guess maybe you could speak to this. Is there, is there any indication where they made it clear that they weren't, I guess, it's all PR speak, so there's really no way of knowing mm-hmm. if they, that's a possibility. What's interesting is I read the fine print, right? So I go to Mark Dara's post <laughs> for his uh, from Bioware blog, and I read it. I also read uh, Casey Hudson's. Now, Mark's word choice was interesting because he says, if you're reading this as well, you'll know that Casey Hudson is retiring. They're using the word retiring like they're done, right? Retire means I'm done working. I'm over right. it. But... Casey Hudson in his write-up goes, I still have tremendous energy to create. I just need to go and work on some personal projects first. So Casey Hudson's not done, even though he said he's retiring. And then Mark Dara said, I can't wait to find out what's next for me. So Mark Dara's not done from what I can gather. So I think what happened is they them leaving at the same exact time, I think is a bad sign. I think something's going on internally i don't think it's like drastic or dire i just think it's like this place sucks and we're not getting anywhere and we're in the same cycle here's another dragon age here's another mass effect uh, and with both of those i think the latest entries and that's just my opinion weren't nearly as good as as prior entries in both those series like yeah i'd, I'd be like let's move on because i think these guys have tons of talent you know these are the heads behind when dragon age was in its inception and when mass effect was and kotor and jade empire like they led bioware through their glory days. Uh, so I feel like it would make more sense for them to just leave, peace out for 2020, recollect in 2021, and like maybe open their own studio or something like that. You know, certainly they probably got the money for it. Uh, and I think what I would love to see, and what I think a lot of people would love to see, is taking some of these major heads at Bioware and seeing how they operate without EA. Because Bioware was at their best with Xbox. That's, I think, a fucking fact. Like, I think... Anything they've done under, under EA has been mired in, in problems one way or another. A lot of people like to point at Anthem, but EA gave Bioware like eight years on Anthem. So I really don't want to scapegoat them for that, in all fairness. But, you know, I, I really just think the partnership just didn't work. Like just sometimes the, the you know, we, we look at a recent acquisition by Xbox with Bethesda. We've seen in the history, Xbox and Bethesda have always really lined up. And the versions on Xbox have usually always ran better than, say, PlayStation uh, there's always been that connect there. 
Uh, and I don't think we've ever seen that level of connect with EA and Bioware. You know, it, it really started with the day one DLC for Mass Effect 3 and kind of just continuously went downhill. Well, the thing that I've always wondered, and Maddie, as a, a Bioware fan and follower of them for so long, something that I've always wondered is that I feel like a lot of people want to blame EA for the mm-hmm. downfall of Bioware. But I got to wonder if it's like, which which one spurred on the down this downward spiral first was it ea wanting a more commercial friendly version of because the first their first game under ea would have been mass effect 2 i would have to double check i'll double check that keep going yeah so is it is ea stepping in the problem or was there problems at bioware that ea needed to step in on do you know what i mean i i always not that I want to like defend electronic arts, but mm. the key is that these are always more complicated. And honestly, it could be a situation where shit was getting worse at Bioware and <laughs> electronic mm. arts did not help in any situation. So I don't know. I There's always any time that I've been able to see both sides of a situation from an insider look. I can always tell that there's problems on both sides. And so it would be wrong to not look at this and say, yeah, that there were problems with Bioware and EA. Oh, for so. sure. It's definitely like a, a, a two way street. Absolutely. Um, so I'm looking now and EA acquired Bioware in 2008. So and yeah, that would have been. So technically their first game I'm looking at the Wikipedia list of games they've made, and it's funny. I actually made a video on this game this year. The uh, first game they made under EA would have or released under EA, I should say, would have been Sonic Chronicles: The Dark Brotherhood, the DS RPG for Sonic. Damn, That's dude. terrible. But um, Mass Effect Two, I, I would say, would be the first EA release. That was in 2010. So I imagine EA had a stronger involvement in that. So you were correct on that, and I think you can see. The change because Mass Effect Two, I think, is an amazing RPG. But then you look at Dragon Age Two, that was a radical change from what Origins was. It was action focused. It was in a city instead of more sprawling like Origins. Less role playing, set protagonist, voice main character. I don't know who was behind all these creative decisions, but you just you just wonder sometimes uh, turning Kotor into an MMO. Uh, it's it's confusing. Then Mass Effect 3 came afterwards, day one DLC for that. I think it was a two-way street, personally. I think Bioware had a lot of power there and what they wanted to do because they've you know, really made their own reputation there. But I think um, it just it was a partnership that, that didn't work out. We've seen how, for example, EA really hurt DICE by forcing them to use Frostbite by saying, hey, Frostbite is the EA engine. Everyone's got to use it. We saw how that hurt Anthem. And uh, even like uh, I noticed something when I was doing the Trespasser DLC. Uh, there's certain really weird things that hold back Dragon Age because of Frostbite. So one of them is actually that if someone wants to if you want to listen to what someone has to say in the Trespasser DLC, you have to stop. And there's like a little hovering green aura and it'll say like listen to sarah and you'll click x and then they'll start talking 
it doesn't just happen like you walk, they notice something, and they kind of seamlessly say something. Like, it's stuff like that where you have to activate it. And that's definitely like an engine-oriented thing. So I just think did, it was a lot of things across the board that really hurt Bioware. Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to – did you – um obviously controversial figure in some ways now at this point. But did you read Jason Schreier's book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels? No. So I would – Honestly, (laughs) okay. Yeah. Well, it is interesting because what you're saying makes complete sense based on – there's a chapter in that book about the the development of Dragon Age, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. And so a lot of that chapter is all about how – so much of the struggles of their development was somehow getting frostbite in a state that it can make an RPG because it wasn't frostbite at that point. There were no tools to make that type of game for that, that engine. So yeah, what you're saying makes complete sense. Yeah. And it's clear as day because there's just weird interactions with the world and stuff. And I don't know, man. I just I, I can't fathom looking at Bioware now and being like, I'm a fan of them because of their old work, right? And I hold out not hope, but optimism that one day they'll not swing it around. I'm not expecting them to go back to what they used to do by any means, but I hold out optimism that they'll sort of find the good, happy medium uh, that that is possible for sure. Um, but it's just one of those things, man, where uh, I feel like they are on a downward spiral here. Uh, they need some type of successful game. Anthem was a complete failure. Andromeda, I don't know if that sold well at all, but I know that one got destroyed online. Um, and so they're they're making easy bucks with the Legendary Edition, but the, the issue is that if Legendary Edition comes out and that's fucked, I'd be very scared. Because the thing is, is Bioware's been that company that for, for, it's been three, four years now, I've heard this is it they're going down. This is it. Now they're getting shuttered. Like I'm constantly hearing how they're going to shut down and maybe one day they do, but I just, I don't, I don't want to say I don't see it, but they have announced, you know, all these big RPGs that they're doing dragon H four and the new mass effect. And when you look at how much money EA pulls in from their ultimate team shit and all of their monetized games, I, I know EA could foot the bill for a slacking Bioware, and I'm sure they're interested in doing that. Uh, it, it would just be like shutting down DICE, I think. It would be on that level of, what? Like, no way. I just don't... Not that they're impervi- uh, invulnerable, sorry, but I just don't see it really happening. I think EA would do what they could to keep them around because I think they're a vital part of that portfolio of studios they have. Yeah, I I don't know, man. And it's funny, when you made a tweet about it, I made a joke because I put the hashtag never going to happen. The I was one trying to Carrick... remember what episode that was from. Yeah, it was from a few episodes ago. I don't remember exactly, but I don't know, man. I don't know at this point if there is – I think that the studio can obviously recover and make new great games, mm-hmm. right? But the reality is that the, what is Bioware – what Bioware is now is not what it was. Yeah. And it's just a new studio now, basically. Yeah, dude. Yeah, exactly. It is. So that's why I'm kind of optimistic about some new minds coming in there. Like Aaron Flynn was the GM at Bioware for, I want to say, 17 or 16 years. And then Casey Hudson, who was a very familiar face, came in and just held it down. So I like the idea of them sort of passing on the torch because I think there was this pull maybe between old and new 
or just needing a fresh ideas in there. And so that's the one optimistic take I can make for this whole thing is that all doom and gloom aside, I think that Bioware might be poised to be in a better position because you've, you've got people who aren't tied to like the history of the game series and are just going to say like, what makes this a better game? So sure. We'll see what happens. We'll see for now. We move on to our next news bit. Dead Island two dead Island two. Now, if you told me this would be in my newsreel here in December, would have laughed in your face, but the game is still alive and kicking despite its undead nature. So it's been nine years since the first dead Island game, but the publisher of dead Island, which is deep silver has once again claimed the sequel is still in the works in a post on Twitter. When someone tweeted out, give it up, man. It's not coming. Just move on to dying light, which is also funny enough. Another zombie game in development. Hell deep silver responded saying, we wouldn't be so sure about that with a winky face. So this isn't mm. the first time that Deep Silver has uh, made some noise about this sequel. Uh, according to an article here by Games Radar, last year, parent company THQ Nordic said that the game was still in development, and the publisher made similar claims in 2017 and 2018 after the game was moved to its third developer in 2016. It was originally due to release in 2015. And the developer has moved on. I'm sorry. The game has moved on from developers originally at Techland who dropped it and moved on to Dying Light 2, which may have proven to be a very smart choice. But then the project moved on to developer Jaeger, who made Spec Ops The Line. And now it's with Sumo Digital, who recently made Crackdown 3. As well as... Uh, um, hold on. Wait. What is this? Until development moved on to Homefront the Revolution developer Dan Busters. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Almost gave you guys some misinformation there. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. So, damn busters. That's actually... Dustin, I got to be honest. This is worst case scenario right here. I don't Dude, know. Have you have you played Homefront the Revolution? I know about it. I've not played it myself. I, but... I have never seen a series with more kind of cool potential than Homefront. But I played... You can check my Steam library. I played four hours of Homefront the Revolution. This game was... Bad. Yeah. Bad. Well, okay. I have a question, Maddie, about dying or uh, Dead Island. Okay. I remember the the moment that Dead Island was like the game when I was mm-hmm. in high school. And I remember my friends playing it and hearing about it. And I think that I, I either like rented it or borrowed it. And I was like, wow, this game's not very good. Why mm-hmm. do all my friends like this? Now, that was a long time ago. So maybe I was wrong. Maybe I, I honestly, I don't remember it. I just remember thinking like, what, why do people oh. like this game? I, uh, yeah, it's funny. You mentioned that. It's funny to think about everything in my life. I have been through since the first one came out. I finished high school. I finished college and I entered a full-time YouTube career before <laughs> like two came out or I'm sorry. A dead Highland two came out. Uh, yeah, I, um, I remember, uh, me and my buddy Noah, Noah was also a former co-host of the show. He and I picked this up at GameStop together because we just always dug co-op games. I think that made it more fun for its time. I thought it was really neat. It had a lot of jank, 
but it was it was a class based RPG. Like you you'd pick a starting character who would be proficient in a type of weapon, whether it was like blades or blunt, and they'd have their own skill trees. So it was fun to replay. It was very loot driven, and so that felt fun to use, especially because it had the analog combat system. So you'd press like a trigger to ready, and then you'd like swing left and right, and you'd do more damage fighting that way as opposed to the triggers. I remember, I think it was three years ago. I I had really good things to say about Dead Island. And then I went back to the definitive edition because my friends and I were like, hey, let's play a four-player co-op game. Oh, Dead Island, it's five bucks. Why not? Wow. That game has not aged well. Uh, I Dude. It is. And the it, funny thing wow. is that since that first one was Techland and then they moved on to make Dying Light, mm-hmm. which a lot of people really, really love that game. That is it awesome didn't, game. It didn't grab me when I played it wow. a long time ago, but I, I don't. I'm not. That's not any statement of um. How far did you get? Quality. Like, out of curiosity, I don't even remember. Not that like far. the grappling hook is awesome. You can just zip around. It's a lot of free yeah. running. I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more if I played it on PC. If I'm being, I did honest. play that on PC. Now that you mention it, that probably would make a difference. But and dude, Dying Light Two. Uh, someone our one of our editors for Handsome Phantom saw it behind closed doors at e3 2019 and thought it was so good that he gave it his game of the show wow so it's one of those things that well i don't know does this brand of of dead island really have any resonance with people anymore especially now that dying light 2 is now the premier zombie open world parkour experience of course like, because I just... video games are video games right i feel like what's gonna happen is we're gonna have both these games released around the same time oh of course right yeah it's just a very video games thing to happen <laughs> it's just hey let's put these both out at the same time yeah i i agree with you i think dead island or i'm sorry why i can't fucking say these games names dying light is far superior dude i'm i'm really curious what's going on with dying light too because like i said it was stock, yeah. It was uh, playable. Well, it was presented behind closed doors at E3. I'm guessing that they were, you know, with next gen coming out, they're like, damn, we should just wait. So who knows? I, I'm, I'm sure they've. Uh, sorry, I keep cutting you off. Finish. Oh, you're good. No, I was just going to say, I'm guessing that we're going to see it reemerge in the next, probably in 2021. Early, you would think, but maybe not. You would hope so. Maybe something at the Game Awards. I don't know. I, um, I'm i very excited for that game, obviously, because I, I like what they're doing with the scope and scale of the game. I like how they're trying to take choices very seriously. Um, I just, um, you know, I, I think they're definitely going through, obviously, development hell with the game. But I know they had to, of course, part ways with Chris Avalon. You know, it's one of those things where I, I feel like they've just been going through some type of internal turmoil across the board story-wise gameplay-wise uh where where the game's just kind of stuck right now i have no doubt it'll come out but it's hard to be super hyped or optimistic because it's not the type of even with cyberpunk and all of its delays i still maintained hype because they we knew in a a date with this it was just it's delayed indefinitely we'll talk about it later and there were times i looked at that game and went this doesn't look like a ps4 and xbox one game 
Mm-hmm. It really didn't remind me of that. It just seemed like when, when they showed a part in the game where you made a choice and you drained a whole city, and because you drained a whole city, now there's like a whole new district to explore, but there's more zombies. I thought to myself, that's really significant amounts of resources to use for something that may not be explore, explored by the player. I feel like that has a lot of next-gen written on it, the amount of buildings they were running into. Uh, and I imagine a lot of that will change. I feel like what we saw there was definitely not indicative of anything final, but uh, I feel like that may be a next-gen game from what i saw it did not have the writing of a ps4 game on it or an xbox one who knows maybe this is a uh a, a re-reveal at the game awards next week maybe oh god is it really next week holy crap i gotta yep. i gotta set a reminder on my phone to make sure i actually like stream that because i i just i'm so busy i'm just i i actually legitimately forgot <laughs> yeah oh. it's it's weird because yeah this year i mean we talked about the game awards a lot but since they're streaming only it's going to be a very different type of show but i will yeah. watch it further reveals oh, and then course. i don't know i always we're getting we're trending to last week territory but i am still despite not being pleased with the jury system i'm always still curious about who wins oh out of just pure spite at this point right just to right just to laugh and be in anger for a couple of moments there. There's nothing sure. more rewarding than that now, but yeah, I agree. I, I keep my eye on it anyway, just to see where, cause if it's run by, you know, a lot of the primary games journalists and uh, like creator groups, you want to know what they're thinking. And this mm-hmm. is a good gauge of that. What do they value? Yeah. And uh, how, how does, how do consumers respond to that? Like, like our audience, how do they respond to something like that? Uh, so We'll be curious to find out, and we'll be talking about that next week and responding to you know all the choices, which um, I'm sure will make for a great show because it lands on a Thursday, and then we got our Friday recording. So it's it's like they're working around us, Dustin. That's right. Everyone moves from the Ham Radio podcast. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next bit of news. We're going over to Halo now. I really like this week's news batch. We got a little bit of everything. Uh, Halo Infinite has had some rumors swirling around about a battle royale mode, but also uh, within these rumors were things like a launch between March and June of 2021. Um, And so 343 Industries community director, Brian Sketch Gerard called them fresh Halo Infinite rumors that were unfounded. Um, He said, nothing gets a post-holiday Monday going like fresh unfounded Halo Infinite rumors. So, uh, he's trying to shut him down here. I know there have been sometimes he said things won't happen and they end up happening. Like I'm pretty sure he did that with the free multiplayer. I want to say for Halo Infinite. So he is going out of his way to publicly debunk these, calling them unfounded. However, he wrote a follow-up tweet just to make sure that you know fans were nice and relaxed. He said, "By the way, yes, I'm aware." We could help solve this with real news. We certainly have some things we're overdue on and eager to talk more about. We're in the process of pulling together a year-end update. Uh, once again, the landing landing pad for this could very well be the Game Awards. But we shall see with that. Dustin, is there any hype retained? I don't even want to use the word hype. Is there any interest retained for Halo Infinite? What do you make of them shutting down BR speculation? Is the fact that the only BR in Halo Infinite is now the battle rifle. Right. Right. To my understanding, he's lying, at least partially, Mm. based on people I've talked to. 
from what I've heard, there was Battle Royale in this game at one point. Now, why I say he may be partially lying is it completely possible that they said, yeah, let's not do this and took it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've heard on some pretty good sources that it did have Battle Royale okay. at one point. So... Yeah, I don't know. I, I Take feel that like as you will. That was a rumor that's been going around for a while too that Halo was going to do battle royale. I, I I feel like it would almost be smart to not do it because I feel like while battle royale is this big replayable thing, and it'd be interesting to see a Halo spin on it. It kind of goes back to our conversation with Phoenix Rising about taking the idea and not truly evolving it enough. Uh, which we've seen a lot in BR territory. I feel like it could almost hurt their brand because it's like, oh, of course, you know, of course they're doing a BR, you know, this washed up shooter. Uh, I'd like to see them just really take the Halo multiplayer experience in a a new direction. Um, and by new direction, I mean like kind of a having modes for like original players who don't want sprinting, who don't want ADS if that's going to be in the game. I'm not sure if it is. Um, having modes for players who like like the having the sprint, the pickups, you know, I feel like they they want to bridge all those gaps. I, I would rather them do that than try BR. Because uh, the thing is, is that Halo's more of a... I think of it more as a free-for-all game than a than a team game. And I feel like BR really requires team play. Hmm. But I, I that's just me. I think I'm very alone on that. Because I think you look at the, the Warthogs and the huge parts of land that you could drive over and... There's a lot in the Halo formula that could make sense for BR at the same time. I just feel like it's a little too late. Yeah, uh, from a business perspective, I can see them no longer wanting to focus on uh, Battle Royale. On a personal level, what's weird is that even though I think I'm I'm mostly over the BR genre, though it still does intrigue me. Like I still every once in a while want to hop into uh, Call of Duty Warzone. I feel like Halo could have done an interesting one because it could lie somewhere in the middle between, uh, how do I say this the right way? So you have Fortnite, which is like a, almost a more arcadey battle royale in a way. It's third person. Mm-hmm. You have you pick up weapons that are like different tiers based on their color. Like there's green and there's gold and stuff like that. Um, this is back when I I haven't played Fortnite in like a year and a half, two years maybe. So it might I might not be t- completely yeah, right, right. <laughs> about. But to me, it feels like uh, Fortnite has a more arcade style feel, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have on the opposite side, you have PUBG, uh, Call of Duty Warzone, the uh, Apex Legends, right? And those are much more hardcore. There's different attachments to your weapons. There's like web, uh, bullet drop, things like that. They're much more uh, realistic is the right word. They're not arcadey, though. They're mm-hmm. more like FPSs. Halo, I feel like, could straddle this line between... Like, I could see there being... There's like these 12 weapons, but there's different tiers of them throughout the map. And... So I feel like it could have done something different in a way. It could have had a different feel to it. So, but that being said, I think that they do need to just focus on the core of what Halo is, especially 
after seeing that reveal, which the reveal was single player, of course. It's not, it's being headed up probably by a mostly completely different team. So we'll see though. I, uh, more and more, I have less and less hopes for Halo Infinite across the board. But yeah, I think focusing in on what the game, the core of the game is, is what's important. It's interesting because I feel like it's almost weird to debunk this particular rumor because if the game's going to go on for 10 years, you have to imagine they want to make significant additions. And maybe people are, let's say in a world where they release Halo Infinite comes out, they got the multiplayer component there as well. And they're just like, okay, you know, like, yeah, we got our, our Slayer and we got Team Slayer and we've we've got Oddball, all this stuff. And people play that for a while. Like, what's the next significant thing you can do? Maybe they don't want another mode there. A Battle Royale would certainly be maybe something that would make for a more significant add-on to the game than something that it launches with because uh, it may feel like a breath of fresh air at the time. So that's why I think it stands out as a really strange thing to debunk. The other thing, though, is that he could just be talking about the release window. I thought this would be a holiday 2021 game. I thought they were just fucking punting this thing, man. I thought they were just going, all right. We didn't get it out in this launch window. More people will have the consoles next holiday. Let's launch Halo then. Yeah. I, um, something we've talked about this, but there's clearly something really wrong or was really wrong Mm -hmm. with this game. So I don't know the, what did he say, Maddie? You had reading, read the tweet where he said, like, we haven't, the reason why there's been rumors is because we haven't updated people. And so we're going to be, yeah, he promised Updating a... Soon. Uh, we're in the process of pulling together a year-end update. Interesting. To to me, when you say a year-end update, that doesn't mean a new blowout at the Game Awards. That says a blog post with some details. With, like, pictures and stuff, which they've done in the past. Yeah. They have done a good job, I'll say, 343, with when they make those posts about it, like when they confronted the graphics thing. Um, I remember that was a pretty transparent write-up about uh things so i trust that whatever they do right it will be a lot more uh open than i think other developers are so that is good news for people who still care um and i certainly do care i i love halo i grew up with halo i think a lot of us grew up with halo so i want to see it come out and i want to see it do well and i i don't know i have this weird faith in the game because they have hired new talent uh and and former talent like I think his name is Joe Staten, uh, who, you know, can really put this game on track. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I feel like it has a chance in some way to be good. Cause I remember when I saw the gameplay, I thought that, yeah, graphically kind of looked eh, but the way it played and the way it looked more open, I didn't think it looked bad. I thought I think it, people I thought it fun. overreacted to that, that trailer in yeah, a lot of ways. I remember a lot of people came at me when I thought, it looked decent. I thought it, it still looked fun. It looked like more Halo, which I don't think was a bad thing because no one does Halo really like Halo. Halo has a bad issue of trying to be like other games instead. I think Halo sure. should just do its own thing. I think that that trailer, I think that it, to me, it, it was somewhere in the middle. I think it looked like it needed work mm-hmm. still when I saw the trailer. I was like, this is this doesn't look quite as good as we had hoped for the big promise of a next-gen Halo Game, Especially when you're right? calling your console the most powerful gaming console. That's definitely right. not good. But it's also the some of the most extreme reactions of being like, this looks awful. I'm like, come, okay, it's not that bad, you know? Yeah. So 
Yeah. I Maddie, you said about holding out hope for Halo, and there is there's part of me that's still that's still there because like I think I've said this on the show. I remember waiting and waiting for Halo Two to come out. I had like dreams about it. <laughs> I couldn't wait. And then when Halo Three, like I had my mom. I wasn't allowed to skip school for Halo 3, but I was like, Mom, please, could you go to GameStop and pick it up, pick up my copy I pre-ordered so it's ready for me when I get home from school? (laughs) And she did, not only did she do that, she picked me up from school that day. So, Mom, good move. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Great, Mom. But then, you know, I mean, Reach, okay, Reach was also great. But it's like Halo 4, it that had that same kind of anticipation only. And then it was like, this is not so good. Hmm. And then uh master chief collection and halo five, both of those were like, uh, you know, it gets harder right. to be hopeful uh, for with sure. Everything that three, four, three has done. And so it's like, the, there's some p- little, you know, prepubescent Dustin inside of me nice. that is still nice. holding out hope for an amazing halo but the curmudgeon adult dustin says I like that word what does that even mean curmudgeon yeah i've never heard that before that means like uh let's see curmudgeon. <laughs> I always, get it up. well i want to to me it's like uh like ebenezer scrooge is a curmudgeon like someone who's oh. negative uh and I've is never... old and pessimistic wow I got to add that to the vocab. Sorry, I just had to stop you there. That's I think it's a learning opportunity for everyone. Curmudgeon. Oh, you know what? It doesn't really mean what I thought. Okay, good. Thing According to Google, it says a bad-tempered person, especially an old one. You're so old. I guess it, you know, I guess I am old. And I maybe do I, I don't consider myself bad-tempered. I, I meant it no. more as a, a pessimistic attitude towards it. So. Still but, great, uh, great vocabulary. You've learned wow. a lot. I've never heard that word before. There you Proud go. You. Yeah, I think uh, you bringing up Halo 5, it kind of sparked something in my head. Because I remember hearing a rumor a while ago, because this is going to be like a 10-year updated game. I really worry about the story because of that. Because like, there's speculation that they may pick up like Agent Locke's story from Halo 5 and, and do that. Please, God, no. And it's just like... no. Yeah, that's the thing, man. We don't want any more Agent Lock. I I always remember at the beginning of uh, the PS4 generation when when Bungie was like, 10-year plan. That was like the first we'd ever ever heard something like that. And I was like, fuck yeah, 10 years of the the same game. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, now we're seeing a lot of companies still trying to do the whole big 10-year plan, the big info blowouts and and constant keeping the game alive. I just, um, I don't know, man. Now that you mentioned Halo 5 and I remembered that, I went, I am worried, but on different levels in different areas. How can you not be worried, really? I'm not going to sit here. How can you not be? And not, I'm not going to sit here and I think, it's okay. Like, yeah, there's something wrong here, man. But I don't know. And, I, I don't want to sing at home like it's going to be trash. Right. To be clear for, for everybody is that, and I think I speak for both myself and Maddie, I want every game to be amazing my hope is that every game comes out and is fucking awesome mm-hmm. it's just not the reality and so my obviously i hope i want halo halo infinite to be incredible but right. we're maddie and i are always going to tell you guys the writing on the wall the way we see it like you know what i mean this is mm-hmm. just the scenario and so it's like it's not that we're just 
being pessimistic on Halo because it's an older franchise that is, you know, not not in the spotlight anymore. There's legitimate reasons why you should take a pause and be like, hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe some aspects of this aren't looking so hot. I agree. I agree. It's a uh, it's a series I, I love to death. Uh, I, I, I wanted to actually go back into the Master Chief collection as well this winter and just kind of sit with that, sit nice and cozy with that. Um, Dude, it's so nice on Series X. That's what I'm saying, man. The, the 4K 120 FPS stuff, like that sounds Yeah, dude. Amazing. I was playing it the other day. It was, uh, it's funny because in the, uh, the Master Chief collection, and this is old news, but you can swap between the new and the remastered graphics. Oh, yeah, with the anniversary. That's amazing. And it's so, I, I was telling my wife, Holly, I was like, it just, I think these remastered graphics are incredible, but mm. it just doesn't feel right for me to play it. I agree, man. It's something, it's a testament to the art style of the oh, first yeah. Halo game. It's insane. It still looks really good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just nostalgic in so mm. many ways. I, I'll never forget playing like Halo 2 and, uh, and Halo 1, dude, man. So many good memories. Halo One's my favorite, personally. I know that's a weird take, but just Halo One's discovery, its story, the amount of times I replayed it. Like Halo Two, I thought was okay. I I like the Arbiter story, but it wasn't my biggest thing. And then Halo Three is just the the emotion of Halo Three. Oh, it, I yeah. go back and forth between one and three for sure. But three had like this. It's over. You know, it's all over. Mm-hmm. I thought it was done, man. I mean, I was younger at the time, too, but I remember, like, taking my brother's Xbox, bringing it upstairs. We have a bigger TV out in my living room, so I was playing on that, and uh, it was quite the moment, Dustin. It was quite the moment as I I watched Chief put it all on the line. Dude, I remember, was was the tagline, um, finish the fight for Halo 3? Oh, boy. Let's see, Halo 3. Dude, it's tough to you... it's tough to call. Yes. My my parents came home with like a Sly Cooper game for me, and then my brother got Halo. I was like, yeah, Damn. Sly Cooper. Yeah, what? A, imagine that, dude. Think of that, Getting dude. Did you Sly hear Cooper. that? What fucking Wait, Master Chief got killed by a, a dog? A do you... dog killed Master Chief, Maddie. Wait, what do you mean? Okay, I- I'll send it to you, and we <laughs> the audience needs to look. Wait, this up. D- D- DM me on on Twitter it, just so that it doesn't go off. In okay, the, in the in the um. What's it called? In so, the podcast. Are you talking about the voice actor? No. I'm saying Master Chief is fucking dead because a dog killed him. In the Microsoft holiday commercial that just got released. Oh, dude, I'm sitting it. here like worried. What the fuck? Maddie, <laughs> I'm telling you and I'm telling the audience, a dog kills Master Chief in this commercial by taking okay. your, Master um, Chief throws a grenade. And a dog runs and picks up the grenade and then plops the active grenade at his feet. Okay. He kills him. I'm I mean, watching you, this right now, yeah. So This is a George R. R. Martin thing. Maddie, it's at um uh let's see, a minute and nine seconds in. Okay, let's see. I see Minecraft. I'm at fifty five seconds. Okay, now they're on like Zoom or something like that. Yeah, it's a dude. The commercial is so cute. I actually, I really, it's rare that I love a commercial, and I truly think this is a fantastic ad. And obviously, I'm joking right now, but it, I find it really funny that they wow, practically does... kill Master Chief in this. You don't he, see him die. Yeah, he he stops and looks at the camera like this is it for me. A dog is going to be what gets me. Wow, what a send off for Chief. What a send off. The the dog gets him, dude. <laughs> That's yeah. Imagine going out that way. This ad though is really stinking cute. Like it as a cute, dog yeah. lover, 
it has 100%. the dogs they're like flying around in planes like microsoft flight simulator yeah. and they're in minecraft and it's it's very very cute but they kill chief unfortunate shall we talk about packs let's talk about packs all you okay so maddie do you want me to read their their statement go for it all the way yeah go for it why not so here's the deal let's prime the audience a bit okay packs we we know that packs was canceled for all of 2020 Mm -hmm. for obvious reasons they did some online stuff but today packs finally has announced their 2021 dates for the show. Now you may be thinking, Dustin, I don't care about PAX. Why are we reading this? We're going to bring this all around to gaming at large because I think it's important. Okay. Let's read their statement. Hello, PAX Universe. We'd like to take this opportunity to announce our pro, our pro uh, prospective. Dang, I, why my my brain is having a stroke? It's okay. Prospective show dates. For the 2021 calendar. And before we do, we want to be completely clear about why we're announcing them now and how the global COVID-19 situation impacts our plans in the coming year. We're announcing our dates now to help partners plan for the upcoming year on how they might attend, as well as provide a chance to start conversations about how to bring attendees, panelists, exhibitors, and our broader community together with these events that are seven months away. Safety is always our highest priority, and we want to put these shows on for you and in a way that still feels like PAX, but these things require runway. Our rationale, with things being this complicated, why not tell everyone all at once? Let's just say the quiet part out loud. If COVID-19 remains a major barrier to safety gatherings at one of our shows, we won't do it or we'll take it virtual. As much as we will miss even crave the togetherness and magic of a PAX. We will not put attendees, exhibitors, and our guests at risks at risk for the sake of an event if things aren't on the up and up. Now, on to the good news. If things progress, progress positively, then there's a good chance that we'll be able to put on live events in the summer and later half of the year. Okay, I'm going to ignore pretty much the rest of their letter because it's just fluff at this point here's the point pax east as of right now will take place on june 3rd through 6th 2021 west pax west will be september 3rd through 6th and then pax australia they have not confirmed and they also have unplugged taking place december 10th through the 12th now maddie i said that this would tie around to the gaming industry as a whole June 3rd through 6th. This is a time frame that is normally belongs to another event that we know called the Electronic Entertainment Expo. Correct. So there's two potential theories to this. The first theory is PAX said, fuck you, E3. We're taking your time frame and we're announcing first. The second theory is they know something the E3 is going to be different, and so that's why they took those dates. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Am I? Am I? Is my hypothesis here? Is there any grounds to it? I think you're on to something. Um, because it, the thing is, is you know, for a lot of people out there, they're like, "Why would I care? I'm not attending PAX." But it's really the potential impact it has on E3 because you either have two situations, like Dustin said, and I think you're on to something that something's happening with E3, whether they're moving dates or not doing one at all. 
because we've heard it's kind of been a, a financial sink for them and it's really hard for them. And that's why they opened it up to the public. Um, so it's, it's been tough for E3 as people kind of move to more of a digital space. Uh, the other thing is that you have a situation where you have packs in the beginning of that month and you have E3 maybe a week later. And that hurts both shows because some people will skip packs and go, I'm going to go to E3. And some people say, I'm, you know, vice versa. And so I don't think that makes much sense, right? Because the th other thing is it's not even fan attendance. You have to think of the developers who show up to bring things worth looking at, right? And so that's why I'm more in line with the idea that E3, something's going on. Because even at PAX, while it's not maybe as big as E3, I mean, significant studios show up there. I mean, when I was there just this year, what was there, Dustin? There was THQ Nordic had a huge booth. They were like front and center, right? They had... Yeah. Um, there was a huge animal crossing booth for Nintendo. Like there's value to these big companies to show up here and, and be there in the public. Pretty much. I think almost all the major player this year, uh, Sony. Well, not this. Yeah. Holy shit. It was this year. Wow. <laughs> this year, Sony did back out, uh, kind of at the final hour because of, of COVID concerns. But, I think oh, Sony yeah. was scheduled wow. to be there. I forgot about that, dude. That was like a huge thing for a while. E3 would not shut it down. I remember that. Dude, it's so funny thinking back to wow. PAX because I remember uh, that COVID was was a concern there. And so they had like, they're like, we're taking precautions. And no one understood COVID at the time. We still, I mean, we do understand it to an extent, but yeah. they had people like, wiping down handrails and stuff like that and yeah I, right I, it was a good gesture but probably fruitless looking back on it now isn't that weird to think about <laughs> yeah so dude we were around so many people like no there were only I, four cases in boston when we went and to think that we know of that we knew of yes correct surely somebody there were confirmed cases at pax isn't that surely. scary isn't that scary to think about Honestly, I feel like it's entirely possible that maybe I picked it up at PAX and was asymptomatic. I think that probably happened to a lot of people, honestly, is that people picked it up earlier. We're getting into a whole COVID conversation now, which maybe isn't a good idea, but uh, who gets knows? demonetized anyway, usually. So, <laughs> right. Go on. But, uh, yeah, I'm not commenting on, uh, you know, the the reality or the you know the virus is fake it's not like oh, that fuck off. i'm just kidding <laughs> youtube heard just that statement didn't take the context and now we're demonetized but uh yeah so looking back because getting back to the e3 situation e3 2019 was june 11th through 13th which those are only the actual show days e3 of course is the entire the E3 that that we refer to is the entire week, including press conferences and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, Maddie, it brings up a very good point about like the fact that there's so much that goes into these shows. There's people that show up days before the event to in order to set up all their stuff, set up all the crazy different convention statues and the booths and stuff like that. And so, yeah. to me, this says that E3 is either being moved to another date or I don't know. There's a lot of options. I just, I wanted to bring that up so people could start thinking about this possibility. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
I don't know what the future of E3 is just because were you were you there in 2019? No, I went in 2018. You, okay. 2019 was definitely a sh- a weird year for it. Not that I've been there that many years. I've been there 3 years, but each year got progressively different as you know they made it a more consumer type show and remember how we got those leaked plans for what e3 2020 was supposed to be where it was very like celebrity focused where they had like uh different experiences around the halls and stuff like that i'm trying to remember Mm, yeah you know what yeah 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 yeah. that was uh (laughs) that was where the worry started to really set in because i think a lot of people were like this is not what e3 was about remotely at all right yeah so who knows maybe maybe this is the year for or next year is the year for like the great e3 reset but it it's hard because the esa they a huge i want to say my gut says it's like half of their income comes from e3 so they kind of like half to do it in order to survive in a lot of ways. Cause it's either that or they ask publishers for more money in order to, to survive. And so it's such a strange situation just because E3 started as a show for the press and a show for the like companies like Walmart reps to go and see games in order to figure out what they wanted to order to be in stores. Right. Mm -hmm. And now that kind of stuff doesn't even happen at E3 anymore. No, it's so, like a show. Right. It's like, what What really is the purpose of E3 at this point? And I don't want to diminish the, the business aspects. There's still a lot of that that goes on. And I think a lot of it do, people don't even realize. Like, if you go to E3 as a consumer, there's like a whole upstairs level that's filled with private rooms where people are not just people like Maddie and I that are seeing games behind closed doors, but like business deals are going Mm -hmm. down, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's people showing off uh, games for two publishers or things like that. So, you know, the future of, of that event is definitely uncertain. I wonder if like, I wonder if like next year E3 is moving into maybe August because you look at something like Gamescom, I can't fathom a world where Gamescom happens right now. That's like hundreds of thousands of people. At least E3s, it's a lot of people, but it's not on that scale where, you know, I just, it's it's really weird to picture that right now uh, or even down the line a little bit. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, you know, I, normally August is reserved for that. So maybe e, E3 is going to bump into there instead. July, maybe July is usually empty. See, I kind of liked... A lot of people weren't a huge fan of it, but I liked what Jeff Keighley did with the Summer Games Fest thing with uh, shows throughout the whole summer. I thought that was more exciting because what we have is like everyone kind of just blows it all out in in, uh, June and then it's just dead quiet for two months until holidays. And so for us, I mean, selfishly speaking, as creators, it was more fun just to wake up and have like a new show to talk about every week and... I think it made gaming more exciting and I think it was nicer to see developers just do thing on their own do things on their own schedule. Um just I think the only thing that people had an issue with was the significance of each virtual event. Right. Felt massive when it really wasn't. Like we're yeah. talking about you Xbox game gameplay showcase. <laughs> I think there's Bad. um I think I, I completely agree with you that I think that I liked the spreading out 
throughout the summer. But yeah, I, I would hope that one of the things that the industry as a whole learned is that it's like, okay, if we're going to have an event, we got to make it worth people's time and not like, I think Ubisoft specifically like spread out their events and kind of like made things like, Hey, this is a big deal. And then people show up and it's like, this really wasn't the only thing Mm -hmm. you had to show was far cry at the very end. Really? Um, if I remember correctly, but who knows? We're an entirely new landscape in so many ways in this industry. And correct. COVID really like we were already headed in this direction. And then and with the pandemic, it's just it it was like dip we were dipping our toe. The industry as a whole was dipping their toes into this more virtualized show, right? Uh virtualized shows and information and previews. We were dipping our toes into it and COVID just pushed us right in. And the question now is, are we going to stay in the pool or are we going to get back out? Or are we going to do a little bit of both? I think it's Who knows? a little bit of both. It's yeah. the same thing with like, this may sound a little off topic, but I think it's the same thing with like physical games and theaters. Now that we're seeing like HBO Max do like all their movies, day one digital, as well as in theaters, is you're still going to have people who want to go to conventions. You're still going to have people who want physical games. You're going to still have people who want to go to theaters. Like it just may not be as large and explosive as the demand, but I think a lot of companies, A, have the money to play with and B, recognize the value in connecting to someone and having them get their hands on a game and the word of mouth marketing that sometimes you just can't put a number on. Like, let's be honest. Let's look at Cyberpunk yeah. right now. That is, That was a lot of word of mouth marketing for its first you know year or so. When you think about Dude. it, it was just, it was interviews. It was, I was one of the people in 2018 who saw it behind closed doors and we just talked about what we saw. It was all word of mouth hype until people saw it a couple months later. I I was at that E3 2018 when they first showed gameplay behind closed doors. I wasn't lucky enough to get in because our our, uh, editor-in-chief, Ben, was the one who got into it. (laughs) Um, So I I was like ripping on him the whole week for that because he got in to see Cyberpunk and I didn't. That's fine. (laughs) Whatever. But what was cool about that was like the word of this of Cyberpunk spread throughout all the press people that were like, did you get in to see cyberpunk? It was was pretty quick. It was like an electrifying thing. Hearing all these people be like, this is crazy. So, and look, now it's finally coming out next week. We're almost there, Dustin. Almost there. Almost there. All right. That does it for our news. Now it's time that we get into your burning hot patron questions. Hmm. I definitely no. See, my phone's fucking with me. I definitely had the Discord tab open on the questions, ready to read, but I have to delay a little bit. I apologize and just open this up. Okay. So our first question from Give Me Your Milk. I love this. Whoa. Our first two questions, Dustin, are food related. We know how that okay. gets here. We like stupid questions, so keep oh, them coming. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Margarine or butter? Hmm. I guess now, it really depends, right? He just says margarine right. or butter. To be honest, I know that one of them is like more plastic than than food. I think margarine is kind of like more chemically. It doesn't bother me, but I don't really. I feel like if you if you spread margarine and you spread butter on two pieces of bread and have me blind taste test, I don't know if I would know the difference. Yeah. 
I agree with that. I thought I was just being weird when I was asked this question. I'm thinking maybe there is something more significant I'm missing. My most use is really butter. Here's where I use butter is when I'm making some eggs dust and I, I toss a little butter in the pan to, you know, to get it nice and slick. So then when I drop the eggs in there, they don't stick directly to the pan. Even though we have nonstick pans, it's just a way of life now. Um, that tends to be what I like to do. You know, maybe a little butter on your potatoes. You ever oh. do that? A little butter on the potatoes? Like you, you so, cut the skin open, you split it a little bit, and you drop a slab of butter in oh, there? Oh, yeah. That's that's fantastic. The The thing about my household is my, my wife is very lactose intolerant, mm. which doesn't mean there's still butter and and milk and milk products in our house but when it comes to meals a lot of time uh a lot of them are butter or milk free but as far as a baked potato damn that that hits just right with a baked potato oh god yeah the crunch the the way it absorbs the butter it's fantastic it's so good okay i finally i was i wanted to follow along with the questions (laughs) here Give right. me your milk. That is quite a name. Yeah, right? I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Coke or Pepsi is next, and that's from Funkrat. Ooh. Loaded question for me. This absolutely has a difference. Yes. They, they taste different. If I'm being real, Maddie, don't say I it. really okay. I I think they're both good. I okay. like both Coke and Pepsi. Um, but do I have to pick one? Yes. I guess if I had if I had to pick one, and we're not talking about diet varieties or any kind of varieties, right? Just Coke, Pepsi yes. in their pure form. Dustin, hmm. I swear, man. This is hard for I like them both. I really don't have a preference. You have to. They taste different. You have to okay. have a preference. There's no way you don't. I don't have to have a preference. They're 100%. like equal in my mind, honestly. The reality is I I think of colas, dark caramely beverages that are carbonated. I like Dr. Pepper the best. That's your sidestepping. <laughs> I know. That's, I know. That's not the answer. <laughs> this was a this is a two answer question. You pick one. Okay. In their pure form, I'm gonna say Coke. Oh fuck. No, that's not what I wanted to hear. But it's barely by an edge, and here's why. I think that when you get Coke from a fountain, like at McDonald's, specifically McDonald's Coke, they got that shit dialed in just right. <laughs> yeah. Usually it, I'm telling you, dude, as the kids say, it hits different. Yes. So, but okay. Now I'm getting into sidestepping Maddie. That's fine. You've answered often. Now. I do. I know it's going to kill me, but I do drink diet sodas and pops or whatever you drinks and i actually have grown to prefer them because i just don't like how sweet regular pop is most of the time sometimes though i can go for a a full flavor Mm -hmm. when it comes to diet i think pepsi has an edge but it's this is very contentious people there are people that think that diet pepsi is like garbage disgusting (laughs) crap water but there's the people that feel that way. Some people feel that way about all diet drinks. I've just grown like used to them because my parents always drank them growing up. I never had like full flavor pop Ooh. in the house. Wow. Also, That's... do you say pop or do you say 
soda. I say soda. Carrick is the one on this show who always goes pop. I got a little pop here. You know, he just... Oh, yeah. It's, it's pop for me, for sure. I, thought, I know see, I everyone has their like different a, vernacular. A regional thing. It is definitely. There's like a map you can find online of what region. Can we, we can both agree, though, if you say like, oh, that's a, a, a Coke, but it's a Sprite and you refer to it as a Coke. That's messed up. Sorry, people from the South. You're wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's not a Coke. A Sprite is not a Coke. Period. Um, so, Maddie, what's your answer here then? Yeah, so um, I, uh, I, I am definitely a, um, a Pepsi guy. I, I 100% am a Pepsi guy. I, I think that it's, the taste between these two products is so distinct, Dustin. Like, one is... I don't disagree with that. Like They are distinct. Coke I just think is, they're equal. Coke is syrupy. It sticks to my tongue. It's it's acidic. <laughs> I could fucking clean my toilet bowl with it. And then just Pepsi washes down a lot easier. It's a little more carbonated. Mm. I wouldn't even say it's sweeter. It's just got a little more of a rich taste. It's more eclectic for my palate. I absolutely think uh, Pepsi fucking dominates this one. It's not even close eclectic. to my... Yeah. It's just, wow. it's just, it's very, very much a better soda. Uh, I feel bad. I, I'm not saying this out of privilege. I just feel bad for the people who, like you, Dustin, who really had to live with just diet soda. That, well, I would have full flavor, you know, pop. I would say regularly mm-hmm. because we would, if you're going to like fast food or maybe, you know, your your parents stop at the gas station. They let you pick out a drink. So it wasn't like I was completely deprived of regular, you know, soft drinks. But I so regularly I was just slandering you there. You weren't you weren't really super deprived, like I'm making it out to be like you were dying. No, or... <laughs> no, no, no. It's just that, like, if if we had a two liter at mm-hmm. home, like casual drinking, right of not like drinking alcohol, but casually right. drinking pop at home, it would be diet. So, so, okay. So another thing, I think there's a lot that goes into soda drinking. Are you a crack open the can, pour it into a cup with some ice? Are you a drink from the cold can? Mm. What kind of what kind of soda drinker are you? Do you like your? Do you prefer your two liter bottles a little bit more? Mm. Through and through, I'm practical. So if I go like current Dustin, if I'm going out and I want to enjoy soda or pop at home, I will get a two liter because it is the cheapest mm-hmm. you can buy. Like at the gas station near me that I go to, you can get two two liters for three dollars. Whereas often they have the same deal for 20 ounce bottles and and can sometimes if you can't don't get them on a deal. Those can be expensive, too, in comparison. Yes. So. The problem of the two liter, you got to drink it fast. Oh, yeah. There's no way I'm drinking flat anything. Some people deal yeah. with that and they don't think it's a problem. Do you ever like growing up, you're at a friend's house and they're like, oh, do you want to, you know, a soda or some pop flat? And then they sprite. pour it out for you. <laughs> and you're like, this is like, this is flat as can be. Yep. You, you throw in gotta... as many ice cubes as you can just to hope it like does something to the drink. I don't know what. <laughs> now, That's the what ice thing. Did. The ice thing is weird to me. I, the only way I'm putting ice in a soft drink is if it is not cold. And I will put one ice cube in simply to cool it down. Wait, wait, say it again. Okay. I'm making sure I heard you right. 
if the the drink is warm, right, non refrigerated, mm-hmm. then I will put it in a glass, and I will put one ice cube in it <laughs> because I don't want to water it down. Bro, what the fuck? Why is that weird? You're a maniac, bro. What? What's weird about that? If one you put ice a bunch cube. Of ice in it. If you put a bunch of ice, it's gonna water that shit down. How long do you take to drink your soda? Maybe that's why. I don't know. A uh, normal time I'm, frame. I'm floored right Matthew, now. One ice. Why are you cube. being, you, you, you know, being critical? <laughs> is this is this a critique? Absolutely, actually, yes. Wow. I just thought that if I was gonna bust your balls on anything this show, it's got to be how you drink your soda. I'm just floored. One, like I'm thinking of this sad little Dude, cup with a fucking single ice cube in it. The one ice cube is perfect because it'll make the drink cool, okay. and it's not going to deter to like deter the taste by watering it down. We need the listeners to chime in big time on this. I, I feel need, like that makes perfect sense. I'm a I'm a I'm a three to four ice cuber. So you like half half water and half pop i never taste the water saying. though i i feel like i get to the bottom and there's still cubes there like that's why i said how long does it take mm. you to drink it because maybe you i'm maybe i'm a slurper and you're you're a sipper oh dude i definitely i like guzzle drinks it's kind of bad no same so do i like i feel like if i were to drink if we weren't on a show when i drink this water bottle it's more like a glug glug not a little little sip like i, I tend to take here do you like iced coffee yeah yeah, Dude, I, I think I like it more than hot coffee usually. Iced coffee and tea. Like if I go to like Dunkin' Donuts or any type of place that sells that, you can get like a French vanilla iced coffee or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ooh, I can good. put those down in like two two minutes sometimes <laughs> if I'm not careful. I'll just yeah. just slurp it down and then it's gone. It's like, wow, that was three, four dollars. <laughs> just gone. <laughs> well just lit it on fire. Yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've made that mistake before. Like you got to savor it to some extent, but... It's a healthy, a healthy balance. My uh, my new thing has been grabbing sparkling water with a hint of lime from oh. uh, Poland Spring. Tastes honestly like like a Sprite with no sugar. It's it's just seltzer, but it's got a hint of lime in there that's been essenced, and it's it's phenomenal. It's actually now, like the best soda fix you could ask for. Maddie, are you a Lacroix boy? I love LaCroix. <laughs> yes. Thank is, there, you. is there something wrong with that? I've always heard that term brought up. I thought it was a, whoops, I hit the mic. I thought that was a clothing brand. And then I found out it's a, like a seltzer. Yeah. I think it's Dude, great. I love LaCroix. I drink it. I mean, I am drinking, I'm drinking an energy drink right now. Cause if I drink one of these, it's usually in the afternoon, but we always have LaCroix in this house. Or sometimes we get the Aldi brand LaCroix. So it's okay. not, you know, brand loyalty, but, um, I'm a big, big fan nice. of seltzers. All right, sweet. We're on the same page there. All, All right. Was, uh, we got, we got, we got into that one. We absolutely did. This is why these Food types Wars of, too. yeah, I was about to say these stupid questions, no offense to anyone who submits them, but you know, they're, we, they're perfect. We love we them. Like them. Like it's better to get in on something that like is really inconsequential. Cause I think it's really hilarious. Like Dustin with one ice cube. I need to know, by the way. That's not a joke. If you're listening, leave a comment. Put a post in the patron section. I'll even allow it. Put it in the pa- the podcast question section so we can revisit this and see if Dustin is actually the maniac I'm viewing him as right now, or if you know, listen, I'm I'm actually a maniac. Okay, I don't want to reopen this, but I got to clarify since you're 
you know, busting my balls here. <laughs> okay. I will never, if the drink is already cold, no ice, period. Why? I'm not adding ice to an already cold drink. No. Ice every Maddie, time. Maddie, you are watering down ice your drinks. Ice every time. Maybe then I'll go down to two if I'm really feeling crazy. Dude, but why are you, what's, what is the point of adding ice to an already cold drink? It will not get warm. How slow? Okay. <laughs> how slowly are you drinking it? This is what you. This is you fucking accused me. <laughs> wow. Oh, the tables so have funny. turned. Yeah. Bitch. Fuck. What a plot twist. Oh shit. Think about it. Oh. I already now, know. Man. I already know. This week's hashtag is going to be something about ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> one ice cube? Question yeah. mark? Can you put question marks in hashtags? I don't think. I don't think you can. It'll just ice be like cubes. one cube, one cube, or something yeah. like that. H.R. Odes, 1518, writes in with a completely different line of questioning. This one, this one is all you, Maddie. I think. Yeah, I'm guessing so. Yeah. I see Fallout 76 is in here. Something missing. Ahem. Another thing's missing from Fallout 76 is side quests. Fully voiced, multi-stage quests. I know we have Wastelanders and Steel Dawn, but what if they dropped a three to four quest pack of different quests throughout Appalachia, placed in different parts of the map? It would lend itself to enhancing the experience, giving players more to do than base 76 and faction quests. This would ideally be between now and the big expansion. Um, I like this idea a lot. I think Bethesda kind of was on that roadmap when they did wild Appalachia when the game first launched that first season of content where they were just sporadically adding quests in there. Um, the thing is, is that adding voice quests, multi-stage voice quests, isn't really as easy as people make it out to be. And I think Bethesda would rather, instead of dropping you an hour of quests and having you leave the game, try to give you more recurrent content. And then once they have that, which they do now have in place, give you bigger drops like Steel Dawn. And they're doing, I think it's called Steel Rain in early 2021. Uh, and so I like Steel Dawn because I could see them doing that consistently. Like here's another four to five hours of quests because what happens is these are coming out for free. And as it stands now, Fallout 76 has yet to like destiny to itself and kind of kill off the old content. So anyone new buying in is getting hours and hours more of added on content that they can enjoy. So I think you're on the right path here, but I think what they're trying to do is in between add new mechanics and things to do in the wasteland that aren't voice quests. So that's more like an event when they do add those voice quests and, and wastelanders. Um, and I, I think what we'll probably see from them next is some type of next gen patch. Eventually. I think that game needs it. Like after playing it on PC, I couldn't fathom going on the PS4 for sure. But yeah, that would probably be my response to that. I think it's a good idea, but I'm sure Bethesda's more invested in larger content drops. Cause I think that's more rewarding for the player base too. But, um, Shall we move on to the next one, Dustin? We shall. Jay Lopez writes in, Jay Lopez 7331. I've been thinking about something a lot about what games have been missing lately in the sense of replayability. I've noticed that most of the AAA games I've played these past few years, I can play once and I'm good. Unlike games like Fallout, Skyrim, or Witcher 3. For instance, I remember in Fallout New Vegas, there's a toy gun you can buy from a boy, which is basically like a laser designator for an orbital satellite laser but somehow messed up the speech and he tried to steal it and caught me or somehow I messed up the speech and I tried to steal it. And then he caught me. So I literally restarted my playthrough halfway through just to get that gun. Wow. We were talking about maniacs earlier, Dustin, hold on. (laughs) That's why I think most people are hyped about cyberpunk. It's the unknown potential outcomes that could sway a player to replay the game a certain way or finish off the quest 
with a different ending because someone told you you get this blank after completion. I know it may seem obvious, but it was just an opinion I wanted to express. What do you dudes think? Uh, so if I'm honest with you, Jay Lopez, I'm a little concerned that you didn't load an older save file, but in fact restarted your game to get the, I think it's called like the Archimedes something. I, I will have to double check the name. But this is a weapon, Dustin, that upon completion of a quest at Helios 1, you can bring down an orbital strike into the wasteland in New Vegas. It's a very fun weapon. I think you can only use it once a day or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, what do you think of, you know, you were talking about replayability earlier, how you've lost your luster for multiple endings and or, or, or crazy amounts of endings and all that stuff. Um, what do you think about uh, games that, like, does that attract you anyways? Like, is it still like a buzzword that kind of gets you going in your head where you're like, ooh, multiple playthroughs, maybe? Because what you said about 13 Sentinel seems like there's a little bit of that crawling around. But does that still right. do a little something for you? Not really. Okay. And it's, I think it's because of the the nature of our jobs, Maddie, is that a lot of time, like so many games, I think, feel like they have to have this replayability aspect to them. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that it's there. I want it to be there even because I want people to get as much value as they can out of their money. That's that's great. But for you and I, Maddie, we are always playing something, talking about it, making yeah. content, whatever, and then moving on to the next thing. So I guess I'm I'm trying to boil down the essence of this question, though. I think what he's more you, so just asking for our opinion on potential outcomes. Have I, I personally can say I've never restarted a game in full because of a potential outcome. I've more so stored that in the in my head, and then I'll see if there's other things I miss, and that'll be what kind of makes me want to go back because I'm I'm just gonna literally go to those play, next that next playthrough and do everything I can to get to fill those holes and see if more holes right. are created in my head because of that. Yeah, game like Wasteland Three would probably drive Jay Lopez up a wall. Because oh. you are like I have never seen outside of like really old CRPGs. I don't think I've seen more end states in a fucking current RPG outside of Larian Studios with like you know D- uh, Divinity Original Sin two. It is it is ridiculous, like how many different things you can fuck up or change or kill. Like for those who have played Wasteland three, when you first get to Colorado. And you get to that base and you meet that guy, forgot his name, and he's talking to you. You can just kill him. And the game changes because that like the amount of it's just ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. It is a phenomenal game. So if you really want to challenge your replayability, go play that game. Well worth it. Damn. Logan B writes in for us next. Hey guys, hope you're all doing well. Two questions this week from me. Thank you, Logan. Number one, what are your guys' biggest hopes and concerns with Amazon's Fallout TV series that was announced a while ago? With the success of recent streaming shows like Mandalorian and The Boys, I'm cautiously optimistic. Dustin, Fallout's hmm. TV show. So I completely forgot. This year. Yeah, yeah, I, I <laughs> forgot too. And then when I announced this panel, I was, I was, I, a lot of people were like, oh, are these people going to be in the show? And I was, I was thinking that's probably not something they could even comment, even if they were. But sure. That's when I remembered it. So it was out of my memory until just a couple of days ago as well. Um, yeah, I agree with the, the success of recent streaming shows, like say The Mandalorian or The Boys, 
are you and i think the boys would be a better sample size because that is from amazon um how do you how do you think a full-out tv show will fare in this new way of television consumption we're seeing sort of take over yeah i think it i think they just a lot of the, the problem with these video game adaptations is that a lot of times they don't get it like they don't get why people like this property and instead they try to make the property have broad appeal mm-hmm. and then it just ends up appealing to nobody so my hope is that they i think the easiest way that they can fuck up i guess the the fallout show is that they make it too serious or they don't make it silly it, to me like the hardest thing is that they need to straddle this line between making it campy because that's fallout is campy period. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, like in fallout New Vegas, there's the gun that you can shoot out and make a, you know, a meteor, not a meteor strike, whatever. You can have a satellite blast something. Yeah. That's, that's kind of silly and awesome. So the key is making this show silly and campy while also having a serious story and not being cheesy. This is, it's going to, it's a tall order. It's going to be really hard for them to get this right, honestly, because I think that in a video game, something can be campy and, and not cheesy simply because the medium, the medium makes the, the way we view. Yeah. It, it makes, it's different, right? Like the things you can pull off in a video game that wouldn't be cheesy in a, you know, in a game is, different than in a movie so or a tv show so i'm i want to be optimistic especially because not that not that money makes a good product but i'm sure that amazon is able to dump a lot of money into this mm-hmm. so how does uh how does amazon release shows i know i like what disney plus does doing it weekly i think it gives me something to kind of look forward to me and my girlfriend when we can't hang out, we do group watch through Disney plus, And that's like also a really cool feature. Does Amazon do just season dumps for like, say the boys, or is that a more along the lines of a, a show that they do episodically? I'm pretty sure they season dump it. So the boys was all at once. Mm-hmm. And like man in the high castle was all at once, but other shows like uh, that top gear spinoff or whatever, the grand tour, was released weekly. Hmm. So, and I think like uh, Jack Ryan was one of the other big shows. I think that was all at once. So hmm. it's not like they've never done weekly, but for the most part, they're, they're big all at once. I see. I, where do you sit on that? I would be a lot happier if they just did a weekly thing. And honestly, I will fully admit that that may be skewed by like content perspective. Like I love the idea of doing a weekly discussion on the channel for like yeah. a, maybe a month or two when the sh- new episode drops kind of talking about it. I think that would be awesome, but um, I totally admit that bias yet. I just think as a consumer, I don't like it all dropping at once because I think of the Mandalorian and I wonder when I caught up on that, I watched like nine episodes in a row to get to ready for, or eight, I'm sorry, eight episodes in a row to get ready for season two. And I feel like you don't have that moment where it can sink in and you can think kind of wonder and build up hype and excitement and anticipation for that next episode. Cause it's right there. And so right. for me, my opinion on the Mandalorian is not as glowing as others. I'm excited about it now, but I would 
I can confidently say I think the first season was like okay. Like I thought it was just an okay show. Season two has been far better, but even then they just have this rotating door of characters. So, but I I do think like the core plot's getting a lot better, and so I, a lot of that is also due to its just its build up, and you know there was that build up of I won't spoil anything, but not this past week episode fourteen, but the week before that of what's going to happen and it finally does happen and you go okay this is exciting um right that, that sort of payoff you kind of just hop straight into it when it all dumps at once and i think it's just for different people they have different perspectives on it but i i just like it when it's episodic this is really an interesting point of contention i think for a lot of people because i know for example colin my uh my boss, Your boss. he uh colin of colin's last stand of colin moriarty he uh he like refuses to watch shows now week to week because he doesn't like waiting. He wants to binge it and watch all of it. Really? I prefer week to week. And I think it's like you said, I like to think about and mull over the episode week to week. Mm -hmm. And there's also a social element to, to it as well. That is just the unfortunate reality of the current age we live in. For sure. For example, Mandalorian came out today of recording on friday and when i this morning at like 10 a.m i was browsing twitter and there was like already a spoiler up for it like something pretty big as and i didn't look into it so i don't really know if there's truth to it whatever but so that was like ah well dang it but i'll watch it later today so it'll be fine but for example with like stranger things that comes out all at once it's like if you want to talk about it or navigate the internet then you better watch it all as mm -hmm. fast as possible or else someone's going to be an idiot because dude people on twitter have no self-control it's like oh as soon God. as the episode's out yeah. it's like let's tweet about everything that happened i'm like give people some fucking time yeah to like watch a grace it grace period for for just letting people watch yeah i uh for me a big reveal on mandalorian got spoiled that i wasn't right. really onto and there's let's just say there's posters of the character now and i'm just like ah Okay, Dude. great. Glad I I was like one episode away. I was thinking, wow, that's just okay. Here's the thing, and I would suggest this to all. <clears throat> if someone that you follow is live tweeting shows as they happen, this happened an incredible amount during Game of Thrones, unfollow them. Do yeah. not reward that behavior. Yeah. I think that is like, Fuck dude, that. like if you want to put out a quick little take once the show is done airing, Maybe wait a few days, but if you really have to, that's fine. But if you're like, holy shit, this was crazy while it's airing, no, mm -mm. don't do that. Mm -hmm. So uh, on, honestly, I kind of felt this way on um, on PS5 launch day when people were – I saw a few people that were tweeting out all of the different references in Astrobot yeah. for Astro's Playroom. Yeah. I was like, dude, let people find that stuff. Yeah. So Agreed. I'm yeah. Anyway, getting back to the core, I'm more of a, a week to week person. So I hope that that's what they would do for fallout as well. Mm -hmm. But I think they'll probably do it all at once. Question number two from Logan. What is your guys favorite video you've created on each of your own respective channels slash, which are you most proud of making? Have a great weekend. You too, Logan, mm. Dustin, what's, um, what's something you've made personally that, you look at it and you go like, yeah, I made that. That shit's awesome. Because I think for mm. me, I, I go back and forth. Like I think of um, I think of my 
Persona video that you and I worked on. That yeah, was definitely dude. one of the, the bigger projects we've done, right? And so that one is up there. Um, I think of some of the interview ops I've gotten like the for the podcast. Um, but I think more than anything, I'm more proud of like my reviews and how they've sort of gone up in quality. And it's pretty apparent. Like if you go watch old reviews of mine and then you watch current ones, I think you can tell there's a difference there. So it's hard for me to really put my finger on it. I'd probably go with my, my persona project though. That's what I'd do. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm proud of different videos and different content for, for different reasons. Like I, a lot of my reviews I'm very proud of, but many of them have like very few views. So it's like a weird type of pride because it's like, I know that I did a good job, but no one mm-hmm. watched it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind okay. of deflates the, the feeling a little bit. Uh, the two separate from the persona video. Cause I do have to agree that I love that you and I's collaboration on that project. If you guys haven't seen it yet, go watch it. Absolutely. But one thing I was very proud of is that when Persona 5 Royal came out, um, and this isn't a dig at Sega at all, but they did not send me and Handsome Phantom a review copy until after the embargo, which was a little disappointing. But that's okay. Again, not owed anything, but that was the reality. So I put us so much time in, and I got a video out still before release day uh, that was about like the best changes in Persona 5. And it did really well. I got like 44,000 views. There we go. And I was happy, and I'm not going to call out anyone specifically, but I know people that got the game and did not have a review out for the embargo, and I got it in less time and had a very successful video despite that. There you go. So I was pretty pleased about that. And finally, one other shout-out is my uh, Ready at Dawn video for SideQuest. Yes, that is a really good one. I went probably way harder than i needed to for my first side quest and i want to do more like i love doing those deep dives the problem is they take a lot of research and a lot of a lot more time than a normal episode of of side quest but for sure more on that in 2021 yes wink wink nudge nudge mike fury writes in hey guys hope everything is doing well I recently released a video regarding if early access is cheating or more of a cheating code, specifically regarding Hades eight nominations. I think it's cheating because I was uh, because it was in early access for almost three years, giving it enough time to super polish, optimize, and perfect the game's formula versus all the other games nominated that didn't get that luxury. But it's more of a cheat code because every game developer has the ability to do early access, so we can't get mad at those who decide to take advantage of it aka a cheat code, and we can feel bad for those who don't. Just wanted to hear what you guys think. Much love. Dustin, is early access a cheat code? Usually I think it's a form of fucking shitty treatment, if I'm honest with you. When you when when you get some of these games that should be in early access, like, say, Fallout 76 when it launched. Um, I don't know. Hmm. I, I, I don't... Sorry, I asked you the question, but I, I don't know. I don't view it as, like, a, a cheat. No. Which, first of all, I have to acknowledge that when you were reading that, I took a drink and spilled on myself so everyone can make fun of me. Oh, that. really? Yeah, <laughs> I, I was like know. laughing to myself because I was like, well, I just I did that I on camera. I thought I saw you smirking, but I thought it was because of what he said. That's... <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, so let's see. I'm I'm trying to understand even like a cheat code regarding. The... So is he saying that 
specifically regarding Hades eight nominations, I think it's cheating because it was in early access for almost three years, giving it enough time to super polish. Yeah, I think the I idea is that you could talk to the crowd and be like, oh, do you not like this? We can change this. Not I made this game in secret for four years. We're dropping it now. And right. ho- ho- hope you like it kind of thing. But I don't think Hades saw any really strong, significant shifts in art, story, gameplay. Like It was no. pretty much just evolving on what was in place for the project. Right. Yeah, I don't really see it. Th- I mean, I, as far as like, did it, was it able to cheat its way into a Game Awards nomination because it had all this extra time to get polished? I don't know about that. I just know, and I think we've talked about this on on this show, at least I've talked about it on other shows, is that I just don't see the appeal of early access mm-hmm. really at all because I just don't want to play it a buggy or unfinished game. Yeah. Let me have the, the best experience possible, and I'm willing to wait for that. Though, to be fair, which I think I've said this also, is that if if they if certain game like if they were like Kingdom Hearts whatever four is in early access, <laughs> then I would maybe be tempted or like a near game or something. Mm-hmm. If it was one of my ultimate or like Bloodborne two is going to be an early access oh, title. God. That's the strongest one that I'd be like, okay, fuck it, I'm in. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I I agree. I think of like Baldur's Gate three where that was one I I kind of caved and played for a couple of hours, but then you just realize like, Oh, I'll just, I'd rather wait. I don't know. I feel like Haiti seems to be a good example of what early access should be. Oftentimes you see a lot of bullshit there. Um, expecting you to pay like crazy prices. Like this was a cheap buy-in. You could just hop right in, see what it was all about. And if you wanted to wait, you get it now for like 20 bucks. And, uh, I, I, and the game's phenomenal apparently. So, I don't view it as a cheat. I think that it's uh, to look at actually how the system should work, that the developers should listen closely, evolve where they need to, keep what they need to, and make an overall successful game. And mind you, Hades was quietly in early access. Like They announced that for fucking, I think, Epic. So And that was when Epic was in its infancy, and people were like, no, no, no. Like We don't want to go on the Epic Game Store. Now it's a little more accepted because they give you so much free stuff. But Hades was a game that was a part of Epic from the get-go, a lot of people waited that game out. I waited that game out. I still kind of technically am waiting out. But it really wasn't until this year where it went on sale in, I think, September. And it sold a million copies. So people are really... It's not really cheating. People are hopping in more with the final version than with the early access, I would say. Yeah. Ivory State writes in, Any of y'all remember the Mercenary series? Personally, I wish it would get an HD re-release and possibly a sequel. Hell, they should give it to all the guys who did Destroy All Humans remake. Did you, uh, you ever mess around with the Mercenary series? I'm looking now. It's from Pandemic. I I don't think I've ever played a Mercenaries game. It's, uh, it's actually AC Denton. I was just about to say this. AC Denton wrote, uh, we already have Just Cause. Uh, it is kind of... At least the second one is really reminiscent of Just Cause. The first one's very interesting because it's very goofy, but yet it's kind of like an America versus, I believe it was North Korea type of story. And uh, it's very much in the nature of a lot of sandbox, uh, or sorry, a lot of pandemic games where it's very sandboxy and open world, very destructive. Uh, and it's it's super fun. Highly recommend it. Yeah, I I wish they would just HD re-release everything Pandemic did because I feel like those are games just in a time capsule. Like, 
the saboteur lord of the rings conquest the og battlefronts you can at least access through xbox backwards compatibility on steam um the mercenary series we did see destroy all humans get remade so i i would love to see them keep dipping into that catalog of pandemic games because they were some of the best developers in that era incredible man between them and bioware i was in heaven as a kid they, they were just putting out consistently amazing games sorry maddie you sparked something in my memory okay because you said lord of the rings conquest and then i remembered the lord of the rings two towers video game oh my god yeah where you did could you pick ever play your... that yeah dude i played that a lot you could pick like who made that uh i actually don't know but i remember you could like pick who you play as for each level and like certain people were better at certain levels like i specifically remember there was a level in the woods and i think it was where is his name boromir not sure but yeah it's i mean that's all over the rings name yeah i'm pretty sure it was that part where he gets killed and um i think that's a mission that you could really only accomplish as gimbley I remember mm. as a kid thinking that was really fascinating. The company that made that is called Stormfront Studios. Wow. Man, that game was awesome. And the Return of the King game was also very good. Return of the King game was great, yeah. Lord of Rings yeah. had good video games. Oh, yeah. Dude, Um, I mean, Middle-earth, Shadow of Mordor was really great. Yes. Uh, I really liked the movie licensed games, surprisingly, were very good. So, have you ever and, played Revenge of the Sith on the Game Boy Advance or DS? I've not played it, but I've heard this dude that it's like a a low key hidden gem. It is. I grinded that game as a kid. My friend reminded me of it. I looked it up and I went, "Oh my god, that game was amazing!" It is still. It still plays so well. Uh, it's just like the deflections that you can do the lightsaber battles you can have it is a it is probably one of the best side scrollers ever it is so good it's a very short game you can beat it in like a couple hours but you can play as anakin you can play as obi-wan um kind of run through roughly the same story some some differences here and there but revenge of the sith is another another movie that got some great licensed products really good games. maddie did you ever play on the playstation one the uh Star Wars Episode One movie game, movie licensed oh, game. No, no, it's horrible. <laughs> but you played I Super fucking Star Wars? loved it. Which one? Super Star Wars. It's like a side oh, scroller. Oh, that game's so that... hard. I yes, I thought it was going to be it's fun, so but hard. I played it and it was like I got destroyed, man. Oh my god, I got it on my Vita when they like re-released it. Yeah, holy crap, man! Those older Star Wars games were not that great. Have you ever played Star Wars Obi Wan? No, I've always wanted to because I remember during the launch of the Xbox, uh, the original Xbox, I remember seeing that and thinking, whoa, that looks cool. I just remember a level where I think you were in almost like a parking garage or something like that. That's all I remember as a kid. I rented the game and, and that was it. The The Star Wars games that dominated my childhood were obviously KOTOR and Battlefront, but uh, Jedi Knight Jedi Academy is oh. another one yes dude i i spent so much time modding jedi knight and then like playing online with like custom levels and stuff like that really a lot of time also i was thinking about purchasing this the other day because it was on sale is the star wars episode one racer i saw that i thought that's originally what you were going to be talking about 
that one's also very good i don't i mean it was fun i remember thinking it was good i don't know <laughs> if it's actually good it's definitely but... a type of nostalgia grab that you play for an hour and then just move on yes yes sure. next question comes in from he changed his name it's no longer dixon hand it's my fat oh. cock again so not sure what's going on a bit of an identity crisis here on the patron front He's going to say, uh, he says, I'm going to make a long story short. My friend, uh, my first RPG was Fallout 3. My friend worked at a box, uh, box, box chain store branded for being a better purchase, bought it for me, then brought it to my house. He sat on the couch to see me enjoy something he knew I'd love, but I didn't know I would just yet. He told me the choices were mine in the game. So when Father Liam Neeson gives you the BB gun to test shoot rad roaches, I bailed to shoot Roach in his stupid face. My friend asked where I was going till he saw me pull my sights on Butch and then keeled over laughing. Alas, I couldn't shoot him. I didn't know you actually couldn't shoot him. What is your story of innocently testing the limitations of an open environment game that amuses you in hindsight? I have a story that instantly comes to mind. Oh, okay. Go for it's it. It's short. Um, when I played Dishonored, the original Dishonored, I was trying to do a no-kill run. And I had this guy's like asleep on my shoulder and I was panicking because I knew I was about to be seen. So I quickly threw him down the stairs <laughs> and I had tested the limits too far because he clearly died Oh, you broke <laughs> when I threw him down, down yeah. the stairs. <laughs> and so yeah, I guess he said testing the limits of an open environment game. So it's not... It's, that's No, I'd say that's fair. I think yeah. Dishonored is open. But Man, it, that's great. I, that's funny. I was surprised. I was like, I mean, I guess it makes sense if you throw a guy that's completely unconscious down a set of stairs. There's a good chance he's going <laughs> to die. So... Yeah, dude. Oh, man. I'm trying to think here. Um, what is the time I've really tried to, to push through the boundaries of a game that's... Man, that's, that's a tough question. I don't know if I can... I mean, I think of, like, trying to leave the map in so many open-world games like New Vegas and, and realizing that. But a kind of hindsight thing where I went, what was I thinking? Hmm. I don't know, Dustin. I don't know if I have an answer for this one. Hmm. Normally, I do have an answer, but I, I don't really have one for this. We'll move on. If something comes to mind, I will bring it up. Ron Swanson cool. writes in. Hey, guys. Hope you're all doing well. First time question for you, fine gents. Welcome, Ron. Thank you for joining us. He's in our Handsome Phantom Discord, too, unless there there's go. two different Ron Swansons. That's very well possible. Possible. <laughs> I've been looking forward to Cyberpunk for years. Big surprise there. But after managing to get a PS5 at launch, I'm considering holding off until the next-gen upgrade. After years of using a base PS4, this tech is a big leap up for me and also a costly one. So my logic here is that waiting will let me experience Cyberpunk in all its glory and see what the tech I just spent 450 euros on can really do. Plus, by the time it releases, the game may well be in better condition bug-wise and possibly a bit cheaper. So my question is, do you think the next-gen version will be substantial enough to consider holding off? What do you expect it to add? And would you be thinking of doing the same if you didn't have high-end PCs? Hmm. Hmm. I like this, this is question a lot, yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that a game is always going to be better after launch if you wait. Yeah. In almost every scenario. So I guess it depends on if you care about the being a part of the conversation when when launch comes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I um I gotta say, I, I think 
when you look at the game and the rumors that surrounded it about it being buggy way before and then even recently xbox news posted a tweet from a person who said they had the game on reddit and um, they said that it ran at 60 fps on series x that's without the next gen update but it was buggy i would say keep believe that the the bugginess of the 60 fps i don't believe the 60 fps part yeah i found that a little strange but because when when they posted that gameplay publicly the series x i think was running in 60 fps it didn't look like it was Um, i don't think it was either yeah i'm sure it's a higher frame rate i would say i would recommend yeah especially if you're open to holding off man the only thing is of course spoilers being wary of that that is kind of your number one deflection here um but if you want to dustin made a perfect point if you want to wait for this game to be in its best possible shape you might want to wait for a patch or two we do know they have an update they launched in the middle of this week, according to people who already have the game. And then they're doing another day one patch. So it's possible that the stuff you're hearing about bugs and how it's running, they could be gone by the time you actually play this game at launch. So for me, I would say keep an eye on reviews, not to hear if it's worth it or not, but more so from your perspective to see if it's, in a good enough condition for you to really enjoy what it has to offer. I would say if you want to really make use of that next gen console, wait for that update. Why not? Right. You've waited this long. And if you wait for the update, we don't know when that is. They just said sometime next year. Mm -hmm. So it could be a few months and who knows, maybe you can get the game on a deal at that point. Yeah. Save some cash. And then spoilers get a little more casual there. So you're, I don't know. Pros and cons. Yeah, I was about to sure. say the impulsive side of me says just go buy it. Just go buy it. Play the game that you've you've been excited for. The PS5 will run it better regardless, and just roll with that because there are multiple patches already coming to the game. All right, Steve Wolf writes in: What is one video game character that you wish you could be friends with in real life? I have an answer right away for this. Yosuke. Mm. from persona 4 golden yosuke hanamura i would love to be friends with yosuke he's this is a hard he's one. A real one he's a real one he's got a good sense of humor he's always down for things down to chill would love that is to, a very good answer would love to chill with yosuke a little bit yeah um wow i really am drawing a blank here i can't think of who I would want to hang out with. Cause a lot of times, I mean, the main characters of games, it can be, you know, Depressing. either boring or, <laughs> or they're bad people. Right. I'm just seeing, okay. A blanket. I'm searching video game characters. Um, like you don't want to hang out with Kratos. No, I was just about to say, <laughs> like you don't. And cloud, he's kind of a dick. If he's uh, like final fantasy seven remake cloud, then I'd probably be down. He's that was, Oh my God. That shit was so funny. This this shit he said, like telling Barrett to get help, just that straight face, get help. That was yeah. That was probably my favorite part of the whole game. Or I'm, so, not, I'm not your bro, and they fucking jump off a bridge. <laughs> I'm gonna say let's hang out with uh, Doom Guy because you won't hang out with Kratos, but you'll hang out with Doom Guy. If we're we're just gonna go in the opposite direction, he's gonna like show me how to be tough and how to like kill demons and stuff. We're gonna have a great time together okay and we're gonna wrap the night off with uh you know some taco bell or something okay like boys 
I think, yeah, I think you can be the guy who breaks through Doom Guy and kind of lets, you know, softens that that rough exterior he's got. Right. He has a sensitive side. We just got to find it. Yeah. You know, we got to uncover it. Natural Calamity writes in with two questions. Number one, the best feeling in the world is vaguely remembering one line from a song or a few defining qualities from a game and searching and searching, but Odin is on your side and you find it. After an hour of searching, my question is, when was the last time you had to do this and what were you searching for? Oh, this is a hard thing to recall. Mm. I think for me, it was, uh, this wasn't the last time, but the most definitive moment is I was at a New York Rangers game and before they play, they warm up and they play this, you know, electronic poppy kind of hype music. And there was a, there was a song that I mold on and thought about for Dustin, I kid you not, weeks. And I always remember sitting there in my break room at college with a couple of my friends. And I look at her and I go, holy shit. She had no idea what I was talking about. I was like, I just fucking remembered. She's like, what? I I take out my phone and I don't know what happened, Dustin. After think this song was in my head so much. It was like a code being deciphered. And suddenly, you know, sometimes you hear a song, you like what you hear, but you don't know what the lyrics really are. Right. Yeah. Suddenly, my brain figured out the lyrics, so I just pop them into not Spotify, Google, and I found the song. I listened to it. I was like, "This is it!" And I just jammed out to it like for an hour, and that was it. Didn't really Dang. listen to it after that. Yeah, man, that was that was torture. I'll always remember that moment because I just had it like my brain just uncovered what the, the lyrics were all of a sudden. It was really weird. So I did think of, for me, it's usually voice actors. Like I hear them, I'm like, I've heard them in something. This happened when I was playing 13 Sentinels because mm-hmm. the voice actress for uh, Morgana is in it. Oh, yes. So it, it was a weird dynamic because it's she does the voice for a, a male character in Persona and she's doing the voice for a girl. So it was like a weird like I don't she's know. also in it, trails and sh- she sounds like someone else. And so, okay. yeah, yeah, she's got a voice that you can hear and you're like, is it her? Is it her? There do the the person that plays the voice for Haru is also in it. Really? And it's like a slightly more exaggerated Haru voice. It's huh. really kind of strange. I don't know if I like that. Let me tell you this other thing, though, Maddie, is that when I was a kid, I played a lot of these like kids edutainment games. Do you know what I'm talking about on PC? Yes, 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 yes. There was, this is like a faint memory, and it's where, bothered me. Is this me. where Tombos comes from? No. No. Oh. Don't disrespect Tomba, Maddie. <laughs> You're thinking about it right now. Yeah. Don't you dare. I'll, Listen. I'll, I'll stay quiet. On PC, I remember one of the games I had, there was a preview for a game <clears throat> that you dig up dinosaur bones, and you're like a paleontologist or whatever, and you're you're digging up, you have like the site... And you like collect the bones and then you have the museum. And I remember thinking someday I'd love to play this game as a kid. And now as an adult for years that has bothered me, I've never been able to find out what this dinosaur game is. And so I've searched on the internet. I can't figure it out. And one, cause I was like, now I'm an adult. I can finally find this dinosaur yeah. kids game and check it out for real. Even is though it's like probably a terrible game or like a game game. It was a game game, hmm. and I can't find it. So audience needs to help Dustin out. 
help me find this dinosaur, this like late nineties, uh, you know, dinosaur bone paleontology is paleontology, right? That's the right word. My vocabulary is not sharp today. It seems because I do not know paleontology. Yes, that is fossilized animals. Perfect. Okay. I just want to make sure I wasn't sounding like a complete idiot. <laughs> Partial is fine. Not complete. Second question from Natural Calamity. Maddie, Dustin, Carrick, you three are now <laughs> tasked as a studio with making a game. What type is it? And who will you put in charge of what? Then act like you are trying to get money to make it and pitch it. All right, mm. Dustin. We're sitting there. We're in front of the suits at EA. They're our only hope. What do we do to sell them on our amazing video game that we don't need their help with and they're just going to give us money and we're going to go do our own thing? Kind of like Respawn. So we're assigning you, me, and Carrick as different production roles. Yeah. So I think that we need to tap into the the comedy RPG market because South Park was on to something. Not very many people are trying this. And I think Carrick needs to be in charge of character dialogue because Carrick says some of the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, so I just... I always think of that time he was comparing like what was it fifty consoles to fifty like what did, what did he even say and 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 like you just sat there like pulled your head back and your eyebrows just went <laughs> dude I'm he's telling just, you he's just the king of just off the wall like and he's dead serious too I remember him like gesturing with a straight face he's like well am I wrong and we're, I'm like it's not that you're wrong it's that you said it dude the mo- the most low key thing during this show that I can think of right now that made me, it was so fucking funny that we just kept going was he was saying something. He's like, Oh yeah. To, to come to completion, it needs to be on top or something. Um, and so I said, Oh, Carrick, do you need to be on top to come to completion? It's like, no, I only need three tabs and then moved on. And I don't know if you heard it. And I heard I it. I was like, Holy that. shit. I dude, I, and now I can't find that moment. Like I wanted to listen back to it. <laughs> Um, so if any listeners know which podcast that was, it, it's all about, it it's all about delivery because you know, he just, it's really just the way he just says shit and then just fucking moves on. Like he just, I don't know, Dude, man. Yeah. legendary. Yeah. Put him in, in charge of just comedy. Cause he'll just give you some fucking dry off the wall humor and just be like, yep, this is normal. Maddie, I think we should put you in charge of RPG systems. Okay. Because you know what's good, you know, the economy of, like, XP, how many different abilities there are, how they fit in. That'd be sick, mate. Yeah. Um, I don't really know. I I don't feel like I have any useful skills for game development. Dustin, Other than, like, marketing or something. Well, we need to sell this game, so you could... That's right. I can make, like, a trailer or something. I I don't know. I think... That or you manage a lot. You are a good manager. I think pro- mm. producer would be good. The, okay. You have to put the like, Carrick, you're not writing today. You're doing this today because we need this done. Like, I feel like you'd be a great producer. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's, a, that's good. So I'll, I'll produce it. Maddie, you're like the, the game design RPG mechanics lead. And Carrick is writing the off the wall dialogue for our, our comedy RPG. There we go. Is this this RPG could be about us. Maybe. It really could. So three slices of ham, the RPG. Oh, whoa! <laughs> I like this game jam coming up. Oh yeah, Coach Blue writes in. 
Sup, dudes? Last podcast, Maddie and Carrick talked about different IPs they'd like to see for fighting games. My wife and I are re-watching Avatar The Last Airbender. That'd be a dope fighting game. Tons of cool characters, cool abilities, and bending the four elements. Maybe a character creator? Cool backdrops. I really want this game now that I've imagined it. Have a great weekend. You guys rock. That is actually a fucking phenomenal idea. I really like that. Yeah, you could have uh, Platinum Games work on it. Well, Sorry, I, I wanted to remind you of that monstrosity. Yeah. See, the thing is, is if you if you watch like critiques on that game, a lot of people are like, the first playthrough is atrocious. Like it's terrible. It's spo- enemies are spongy. It's not fun. It's when you get to the second playthrough, you have all the elements, you have all the combos, you can do what you want. That it's actually a legitimately good game, but it's like five hours of bullshit before that. Mm. It's very it's a very interesting game. You can't say that about TMNT. TMNT is just bad. Just I bad. never played that. It don't, looked bad, though. Don't play it. Real bad. I've played it, I think, three or four times. Do not I'm glad it. Platinum got back on track. Because there was a, a period there where they were not pretty so close hot. To, pretty close to done. Yeah, Xbox really almost killed them with uh, Scalebound. And yeah. Pulling that out from under them and failed projects. Yeah. They were not in good, in good uh, standing. But with the help of Astral Chain, a game that more people should play. Ooh. I imagine they're in they're in good company now. They're on their own, publishing their own games, all that stuff. Billy Mays is back and he's writing in saying, Lucky for you all, I couldn't come up with any Billy Mays questions this time around, so celebrate while you can. Oh. Anyways, what is one game currently in development hell that you're just aching to get your hands on? For me, it has to be wow, this is weird, right? Imagine the timing of this. It has to be Dead Island 2 or Dying Light 2. Seems like zombie games are just fated to die at or before two. Have a great weekend. That's funny, man. This was posted today, so maybe he was just reminded because of uh, Dead Island 2's news. But what is a game in development hell that you just think of and you're like, man, when's that coming? For me, it was honestly Cyberpunk. <laughs> like, yeah. We really didn't know when it was coming. Now it's finally here on the way. So I would I would definitely say that was it. Hmm. I'm trying to think here. It was also the English version of Persona 5 Strikers, but now we know that's coming yes. to Steam as well. Which I don't know if that was really considered development hell. It was just porting hell. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't know what say, was going was on. Very, very much longer than I think anyone anticipated. Uh, let me think here. As far as games in development hell, I mean, I thought always thought that Deep Down looked really cool. And we never got it. Isn't that from Capcom? Yes. Oh my god. Wow. What it was happened? like That's it was announced around the time of uh the PS4 reveal, maybe? Yeah, no, it was because I, I distinctly remember the guy in like armor going up against the wall and like fire went down the hallway past him. Man, yeah, it, what, what happened with that? It has a souls feel to it. Yeah. And there's actually gameplay of it really yeah there is gameplay that you can see and it looks really cool it might have been terrible but wow uh, okay interesting yeah so i'll say that one that's that's fair that's a good answer paco luigi writes in greetings gents have any of y'all had an itch to revisit an older game recently any recommendations hashtag gaming on a budget con amor paquito hmm well i already mentioned fire emblem Mm-hmm. that i want to go back to there's constantly games i want to go back to though like the, yeah memes aside 
personal memeing myself. I was thinking like it would be cool to go back and play Tomba 2 again because oh, I talk about it so much and it's been a few years now uh, since I've played it. So um, recommendations for an older game to visit that I'm feeling nostalgic for. Um, I guess technically that would have been I, the Somnium Files for me. I haven't played it before, but you know, uh, that's definitely an older game that came out September, I think last year. And I have yet to get to that. Um, Final Fantasy 13 is a trilogy. I really, really want to replay. I really enjoyed Final Fantasy 13. It's not perfect by any means. It's quite flawed actually, but there is a charm. And I think out of, when you look at all three entries, like they're very different, each of them. And I really appreciate that. Like 13 is more traditional, although it's combat's kind of weird, but like as a party, it's more traditional than two really deviates from that. And then three is just like, Oh my God, they're doing like jobs with just one character. Now it's just lightning. Uh, so it's, it's a really weird trilogy of games, but that's one that I, I, I really want to go back to. Uh, spirit fair is one that's on my list. I've been talking about it a lot on the show. I, I couldn't tell you if it's good or bad. It looks amazing though. would love to play that. Um, that is on Game Pass currently, and I want to play it before it gets removed from Game Pass because I saw they're adding and removing some stuff for this month. Spirit Fair was not on that list, but still, before they do inevitably remove it, would like to see what that game's all about. Are you ready for the final question, Dustin? I am ready. All right. MRAM ND, MD, sorry, I said N, writes in, Hello, gentlemen. I hope everyone is doing well and staying warm. Yes, absolutely. I'm sitting here in sweatpants and a sweatshirt. My question for y'all is, have any of you explored the world of video game tabletop games? To clarify, I'm talking about physical games such as Fallout, the board game, or Portal, the uncooperative cake acquisition game. I can't believe that's the name. Wow, that's actually... Wow. Not board games that got a digital release, like Ticket to Ride. When I started working at my local board game store... I was really surprised at how many video games had taken to the tabletop platform that many are rated highly as well. Yes, uh, I actually own the Fallout board game. I bought it for my family and I to play in the middle of the pandemic. How about that? Whoa. (laughs) I'm like a little apocalypse action to get you going for the pandemic. Um, I, uh, yeah, I usually try to play like more original random board games. And what's interesting is I think a lot of people don't realize this, but there are a lot of people who just play like single player board games and they replay them. Like that's a thing. And it's a thing that I've only learned about. And I actually, um, cause my mom always likes to have me make a Christmas list. I know I sound like I'm five, but I threw that on my Christmas list for her as well. Cause she was just like, you know, throw anything on there. And I'm like, hey, single player board games is something I really want to get into. Um, I want to play the divinity board game. I remember I packed, I was super fucking awkward about it cause I was watching people play it and I guess their booth was closing down. And I lost track of time. But I was watching people play the board game. And then I asked them, like, hey, could I try it out? And they're like, we're actually closer. And I'm like, oh, my bad for asking. <laughs> Sorry. And um, then I pieced out real quickly, awkwardly at that. But, yeah, I, I've noticed that a lot of video games have gotten into the board game space. And I think it's pretty smart because it's in the game genre. It's just a different way to play. What's weird is, like, Dark Souls has a board game. I was just looking at that. And there's a, a Bloodborne card game what really mm-hmm. card game i don't know if it, it might be out of print now but i'm looking at it on amazon it looks pretty cool that's awesome yeah i don't know i have a love-hate relationship with board games like i've 
had some of the most like memorable experiences playing certain board games mm-hmm. and other board games i'm like this is fucking awful i hate this right. it's boring and i don't understand how to play which isn't i'd say most two-thirds of the time is on me not on the game just because it's can be really outside of like gaming like you have to do a lot of the mechanics yourself in a way mm-hmm. so yeah i don't know if i would want to play I'm looking at this Dark Souls board game right now, <laughs> and it looks interesting. It's expensive. It's $85, yeah, but man. I guess for a when board they... game, that's pretty standard in a lot of ways. Yeah, they can be pricey because they give you multiple boards and cards and figures and statues, dice, r- huge rule book. Like, yeah, they can get pretty extensive real fast. There are board games that are well above hundreds. Like, it's just, they can get really pricey if you get, like, the like a 150 piece kit for a game. Yeah. I would there say was... uh there's a oh my god. Mansions of Madness is a, a fucking board game I love. Kind of does a hybrid. I think those are the best kind of board games that you like connect an iPad to a board game app and then you play yeah. and you like fight enemies through the app so there's something that's kind of tracking the stats so you're focusing on roles and character building and role playing and all of that shit. Mansions of Madness is awesome like you and your wife that would be fun as shit to play together um let me look that up real quick have you heard of gloomhaven the name sounds familiar dude that is supposed to be a really good board game but it's like 150 dollars though there is a digital version of it that's 25 oh which is though i don't know if this is a video game or like a app it looks like a video game huh but yeah, it's it's expensive. The main game board game that I've been wanting to play for years is the Game of Thrones board game, which is supposed to be really good. Really? Okay. But it's like that. it's licensed from the <clears throat> the uh, book and not the movie or okay. the TV show. That makes that makes a difference, I think. <laughs> yeah. Mansions of Madness. This one's oh, this one's like ninety bucks. My friend has it, and uh, it's it's so cool because there's tons of scenarios. <laughs> and what they do is they have, like, a lot of tiles, and they tell you, like, how to put them together to create the map. And they have, like, mm-hmm. scenarios built into the app itself. It's, Interesting. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm really seeing cool. now. You know, for me with board games, I like games that the gameplay is, I'm pretty sure this is the technical term, is played above the board. Like a role-playing, mm-hmm. uh, you're you know either trying to lie to people or there's a really good game that i love called uh avalon which is a game like that where everyone has roles and you have to talk it out and like convince Hmm. someone that someone's a liar or whatever neat um there's oh there was a game i used to love in high school called covert ops which it's sort of before yeah it's really interesting is that like one person is the assassin one person is uh, the cleaner one person is trying to figure out who the assassin is. So it's very much like uh, the games the kids play these days with uh, Among wow. Us. Wow. But, uh, you know, hmm. not quite the same. All right. Well, as we near the three hour mark, Dustin, Damn. I guess it's time to wrap this show up. We're not quite there. We're 10 minutes away, but let's not meander. We're, we're Maddie, what's for dinner tonight? 
it's a little different because we started recording early. We did. So. That is true. Yeah. For those who don't know, we normally record our episodes at around 4.30. I noticed that when we started the patron questions or we were in the middle of them, I looked and it was 4.30 and I thought, wow, normally we're starting at this time. Yeah. I will say this is much nicer because I will wrap this up, bring home the files, put them up online, and I get to have dinner instead of coming home at like 10 at night and yeah, just you know, collapsing in my bed and just being like, I'm tired. I'm hungry. Ugh. Now I have something to come home to. But um, what is for dinner tonight? I think it's leftover pasta. Oh, yeah. Leftover pasta is always, it's always usually great. pretty good. I am a big pasta guy. So I, I don't think my mom is making anything as far as I'm aware. Because we she's what she did is in preparation for the holidays, she cooks in bulk. So then we can oh. do warm-ups for when she's making for it. Christmas and we do these things sure. on Saturdays called snack parties we call them. And uh what we do mm. is we gather a you know group of Christmas movies and this year we're changing a little bit but normally what we do is you know just a bunch of random snack foods from random stores and just put them all together and just have a good time eating sounds all, lovely. all different things. But this year my dad came with the idea of having kind of like theme nights like let's have Mexican food one night. And then, like, the next Saturday, let's do Italian food only. And so we're going to be doing that this year. And we're going to see how that goes. My mom's very grounded in her tradition. So we'll see if she if she, if she, she bends on this one. But I trust she will. Dustin, what, what are you having to eat, my friend? I don't know. Because because we're done so early, I think it might I might have to go out with uh, the wifey tonight. Maybe go get some takeout somewhere or, or something like that. Because... Usually when we're done with this show, it's like after eight o'clock. And mm-hmm. so the, the there's fewer options at that point. So I yeah, don't know the, no, that's a good there's idea. L- a bunch of options. I'm excited. That's a really good idea. Maybe a little, I got a gyro a couple of weeks ago and then, uh, mm. definitely hit the spot. A little cucumber sauce with it. Not bad. I didn't even think cucumber could make some type of sauce or whatever you do to make cucumber sauce. It came out great though. I really yeah. enjoyed it. I, uh, in in the town I live in, we just got a Thai food restaurant, Ooh. and we've been waiting for a while because Holly and I love Thai food, but there's not one close to us, and now there is. Oh, and dude, so, it's game on now, man, we've we've gotten it a lot since they opened, <laughs> but like, man, they have delicious curry fried rice nice. and delicious like normal curry. It's it's the bomb. Do you go so, out or order in? I don't. I was originally going out throughout the summer, but now I'm staying in and just kind of. Yeah. You know, it, it depends for the Thai food place. We usually order out mm-hmm. um, and take, bring it back home, but it all depends. I think on the, on the place. So I got that. Yeah. I was just curious if I was crazy or not. I just like to stay here, hidden in my little office and be like, okay, you leave the food outside the door. I'll grab it later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, it's contentious for a lot of people on whether or not you should go out to eat and sit in a place. I still do. Lately, we still have been going out and sitting in a place. Obviously, we abide by all the the of rules course. in place. Yeah. But so. All right. Then. Yeah. It looks like dinner is going to be good tonight for both of us. Hell we hope yeah. All of you have great dinners who are listening here. We appreciate you giving us your time. Uh, if you got this deep, obviously the, the hashtags got to be. One cube. One cube. Hashtag one cube. I like that. I need all the conversation. I don't care about the comments on 343 or Dead Island or Bioware, PAX, 
I just want comments on Dustin's ice cube antics and if he is normal or not. We need to make sure Dustin's okay. I care about him deeply. We need to check on him. So I'm you're the one who's not okay. Yeah, on this yeah, really. Honestly, we'll find we, out. We, we could flip this on me, right? I I decided to put a bunch of ice cubes in, and Dustin had a a dang and rampa no that's wrong moment on me, and just kind of like broke through objection. Yeah, he objected and just broke right through. So we'll see what the people decide. Until then, we will catch you guys next week with episode 281, where we'll probably be talking about Cyberpunk, and we'll definitely be talking about the Game Awards and how everything went the night before. So we hope to see you there. And with that, we'll talk to you soon, all right? Peace out. See ya.